your career and your rise to fame started with a diversity magazine. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's the great thing about America is, you know, the left sequesters you and they, they put you in a corner, you can't do anything. But if you just bust your ass, you can make it work. I hear about you getting a detention again. I'm going to fucking bury you. I'll throw you through that wall. Shops and units were burned down where the Black Lives Matter riot, organized riots basically looted entire areas with the exact redevelopment areas for the new developments of the banks. We lost the equivalent of five million people uh, in the Civil War, the modern equivalent with our population, to end slavery. And so I called back and I said, hi, I'm calling about like the hep C thing or whatever. And they go, come in now. So I go in and I'm a raving, raving homosexual. Hi, I want like the hep C thing. In front of the line, got all the shots uh, because I was gay. You said your ideas would one day blossom into fruition like a hundred humid vaginas in the presence of God's boner. <laughs> Did you say that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one time we were doing, we're pounding a guy and he's like, I'm out of cereals. And there's like seven of us and I was like, there's no, uh, there's no caveat for this. It doesn't work on other people. I think there's something about Caucasians where when you say you suck, we go, yeah, like anyone. There's the self-guilt that's been built into Yeah, and the problem with the Proud Boys too is, is there's a criminal element there. It attracts some, some hustlers. So you get feds that you gotta weed out, but you also get these Razzo Rizzo, petty gypsy-like criminals that will steal from your fundraiser. You're deleted by PayPal. Oh yeah. Banks closed. Yeah. Payment processors. Pinterest. Pinterest gone. <laughs> yeah, everything. Mailchimp. Mailchimp. Yeah, I can't bank. If you gave me a pub. Welcome to the club, bro. Information covered up, censorship, corruption. The mainstream media have proven itself to be untrustworthy. I'm here to give a platform for debate, for truth, for open discussion. I'm introducing you to my podcast, Silenced with Tommy Robinson. Who exactly is Tommy Robinson or Stephen Gaxley Lane? With the English Defence the problem is with Islamic English far right Islamophobic activism. Since then, there's been organised protests across the country in London, Manchester, Leeds. People in their thousands are marching for There is no such thing in this country as a Muslim free Tommy Robertson. Born in Hertfordshire, England, Gavin McInnes is a Canadian writer and podcaster. He is the host of Get Off My Lawn on his own platform, Censor TV. He co-founded Vice magazine in 1994 when he relocated to the United States. In 2016, he founded the Proud Boys, which was designated a terrorist group in Canada and New Zealand after he left the group. Gavin was banned from Twitter, Facebook and Instagram for violating terms of use related to promoting violent extremist groups and hate speech. The usual nonsense. Certainly, one voice they would like to see silence. It was important for me to invite him to speak to me, to sit down and discuss his journey, his beginnings and how he has been branded in such ways. Gavin, thank you for coming over, mate. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. It's good to see you. It's very good to see you. Yeah. It's been a while, what, five years? Five years, we got screwed by COVID. Got screwed by COVID, the last time we saw each other was eventful. We were at a Day for Freedom rally in London. That's the hardest I've ever partied in my life. It was good, wasn't it? You and your friends, man, they're <laughs> Vikings. <laughs> 
It's good. By the time we finally got to the stage, I was not Copus Mentis. Oh no, it was three days in. Oof. Oh, don't, because I, I cringe thinking about it. <laughs> oh, I do. I cringe. I look back through speeches and think, oh my God. But I had Gavin McInnes. I had Gavin coming over for the first time, so we had to party, right? Yeah. Not this time. Well, we had another plan. I was going to visit where I was born, Hitchin, which is right next to Luton. Yeah. And my, I was going to bring my dad, and he was going to show me all around, and we were going to spar and stuff. It would have been great. And then COVID just totally altered that entire course, you know? It altered everyone's course. Like, there, we, we can't, we can't, the, the damage is immeasurable. What about a couple that had been dating, but then they couldn't get together after that, and then they found someone else, and whoosh! The whole world. The, the whole world went on a 90 degree turn. And I, I was surprised at how many people bought it as well. Like how many people, I saw friends wearing masks. I'm like, what are you doing? They're still you're wearing masks. You're a 40 year old man, you're a lad. You know this is nonsense. Why are you wearing a mask walking down, what, what's going on? Today. Mates. It's still going, oh mates. Uh, mate, yeah. Yeah, mates, like, and it, yeah, but you gotta work. No, you don't have to, do, you don't have to do anything. You'll be like, you have a beard. <laughs> it's getting in the sides. It's like a gas mask wouldn't work. It's just pathetic. But Gavin, um, you're Canadian, right? Yeah. Sorry about that. <laughs> Sorry about what it's become anyway. Well, Justin Castro? Yeah, he's, he was elected because he's a hunk. And Basically, you can't yeah. underestimate the power of women to fuck up an election. You know? They, they just, really fucked up. They, they hear some fake rape allegation and he's done. Or they, he seems cute and nice and he's in. And the guy is retarded. He's a drama club teacher who is obsessed with Justin Trudeau. The level of insanity over COVID from him, the whole truckers thing, for me watching, Canada used to be a country that I'd have wanted to, attack, wanted to go to, I'd have looked at, and I just saw it as a totally tyrannical government. Right. Well, I think it's very similar to Britain. Yeah. Ezra right. Levant always says going to Britain is like going in a dystopian time machine. But that's how it was. So we didn't, I didn't view Canada like that. And then it all changed. Yeah. Because of Justin. Because of Justin. And the, the trucker convoy, by the way, the reason he hated that had nothing to do with COVID or anything. He just lost face and it was embarrassing. You got to think of him as a hot chick, you know? What are pretty girls, are they concerned about their reputation, how they look, if people still find them attractive, the in-crowd stuff? Actual politics is not really a, a, a hot chick's purview. So he's mad at them for embarrassing him. The end. And the, he's punishing them, confiscating their bank accounts, throwing it, them in jail. They literally just froze their accounts, took their vans, took their lorries, yeah. froze everything. I think, he's, I think he's Justin Castro's son. And I honestly do you, believe, do you generally think I that? genuinely think that. Because you see the pictures of the mother with the baby with and Justin Castro. Yeah, she was obsessed with Fidel Castro. They went there all the time. Even her husband is fawning over Fidel. So why not fuck him? She was a whore. Like she fucked the Rolling Stones. Am I allowed to swear on this? Of course you are. Yeah, she fucked the Rolling Stones. She's, a, she's, she's just a dumb slut that he married because she was pretty. <laughs> Have some of that, Justin. <laughs> But I, I think everything is genetic. I'm obsessed with this. I think it, we're 95-5. So you're 95 nature born predetermined. 5% is your habitat. Now there's exceptions. You know, you're molested as a kid or something. That's going to change who you are. But for, you, you're genetically your, your parents. And I think his dad's a dictator and he's a he's dictator. A it's in his bones. It's in his DNA. 
Let's go back to you then. What's your, where, where were your parents? One from up the road from you, right? So when you have a lot of kids... Scottish and all. Yeah. My, my dad is Glaswegian. When you have a lot of kids, there's a spike and one out of six will be super smart or something. So it, it was the Gorbals of Glasgow. They were all... Is that where your dad's from? Yeah. Same as my dad? Yeah. 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 Okay, I think, okay. It's weird, eh? It is, yeah. You just met my, you met my dad. My dad was here. Yeah, I was hanging you out with him all day. Time. Yeah. Could he still understand? has a Scottish accent. <sighs> despite... Despite moving to England when he was 16. I know. <laughs> and it's I thick. Know. It's a thick Glaswegian <laughs> accent. But, so my dad was a spike. And the great thing about Britain back then was you had your O-levels. So if you were an exception, we don't care if you have no shoes. We're going to pluck you out, get, go to a private school. You'll go to Glasgow University and you, you'll have a career because you're smart. Somewhere along the line, they went, ooh, that's, that's racist or something. And that's, that's eugenics. And they stopped that program, which stopped the poor kids who were smart from having a chance. So he grew up as a survivor in Glasgow, and he wore a private school uniform, which in the Gorbals is like a Klansman uniform in Harlem. Like, student is the N-word over there. <laughs> so they'd be like, yeah, fucking student. <laughs> so he had to fight. He looks like a boxer. His nose is all smushed. I think he might have pugilistic dementia. But he fought every day, and he did well for himself. Got a job in uh, engineering. We moved to Hitchin. I was born there. And, and Hitchin's, lo Hitchin's lovely. Hitchin's 10 miles from Luton, but a different world from Luton. Yeah. It's crazy, that really. Well, you hear it in the accents. Yeah, it's a beautiful place. It's very posh. And I sounded like a complete fag. It's a middle class When town. I was five, I was like, hello, daddy. Oh, that's a flaming beauty. <laughs> I think maybe that's why we moved to Canada, because he was worried his son was turning into a puff. <laughs> <laughs> but when they, when they were living there, there was some Luton types moving into the neighborhood. And the neighbors were saying, Oh, I'm quite upset. Have you heard their accents? It's getting bad. That's going to affect our real estate value. And my dad said, how about us? Are we an issue? How do you feel about Scots? And they go, oh, you don't count. You're not on the radar. Yeah. You're not part of the class system. Yeah. And then I think he was drinking too much. Their marriage was on the rocks. And Canada desperately needed a, a computer industry. And because it's a socialist country, when you need something, you're like China. You're just like, make it make a Potemkin village, like let's have a Silicon Valley. So instead of it growing organically, I think it was Pierre Trudeau back then, Justin's dad said, uh, go to Britain, find anyone with a degree like that's remotely computery, and my dad's was physics, and get them over here, we'll pay for everything, give them a home. And so th there was this massive influx of Brits and Indians in 75. And uh, I got there and I was like, Hello, I'm so excited to be in Canada. I'm going to be purchasing how old, a how old, how old you? Five. Five years old, okay. And it was just like, bush, 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 bush. And then I was, within a week, I was like, hey, Maggie Longclaws is pregnant, fuck. Let's get a two-four, <laughs> eh? Lumberjack jacket, combat boots, right into the hoser lifestyle, playing hockey every day. And uh, yeah, then at 18, I moved out and moved to Quebec, Montreal, which I consider a... A separate country. I mean, Canada's got their national anthem in like 1980, their, their flag around the same time. It's, 100, it's less than 100 years old. Independence is brand new. But Quebec is 400 years old. They speak in this ancient French that French people in France don't understand. So anyway, that's a different country. I don't know how much detail you want here with the whole life story. No, no, all of it, all of it, yeah, all of it. So uh, in Montreal, there was this uh, make work program uh montreal's all it's so old it's also super corrupt it's like sicily it's a port town so the mob would control the ports the hell's angels there are the, like the hell's angels from the states had to come in and start murdering hell's angels 
because they were murdering too many people. Is it still? Are they still strong now? Though, oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. The only rivals there is a, a biker club called Rock Machine. Rock Machine, and they are a, a, a conglomeration of all the other uh, biker gangs that were getting oppressed by the Hell's Angels. Okay. And they blow up each other's clubhouses and stuff, and it's it's not your typical milk toast Canadian culture. But one of the scams, they also scam the government, and one of the scams is all this diversity shit. So these Haitians come in, right? They have the tenacity of, of the third world. And they're, they're, if you can get out of Haiti, you're rich. So they come in and they go, oh, we're oppressed Haitians and we need money. So they give them, pour money at them, throw money. And uh, they started this thing called, um, uh, it was called Image Interculturelle, Intercultural Images. And they would get money from the government to promote diversity. So they started a newspaper uh, to promote uh, all the various like Polish parade and, and gay pride and all these other events and they'll all be in one little newspaper. And then, so my buddy Sarusha just got off a of heroin and he, he, I guess through the rehab he got the, the offer to run the magazine. It hadn't, didn't exist yet. And uh, so he, we had mutual friends and he goes, uh, let's just hijack it and make it ours. They don't really care what comes out. They just want the check. So we'll just do it about punk and skateboarding and stuff. You got into punk early, didn't you? Oh yeah, yeah. I was in a band when in the in '88 when I was well, I started when I was 17 called Anal Chinook. Well, Chinook I, is Anal a, Chinook. Yeah, it's an Inuit word for warm wind. Chinook. Okay. So it was fart. <laughs> we, we I just re-released all our old songs on YouTube. You can dig them up. Embarrassing. Oh, left wing stuff. Is there any yeah. left wing stuff? Oh yeah. Oh no way. Yeah, like we had a song about acid rain. Which was a fake scare tactic. It doesn't exist anymore, but that was the the ozone layer and acid rain were big in the 80s, and we swallowed it hook, line, and sinker as teenagers. We were like, the earth isn't going to be around in five years because of acid rain. And the song starts out, it goes, It's raining, it's pouring, the old man is dying! <laughs> Believing it at the time. Oh yeah. Oh mate. Dead fish. So, so, you must, so if you're believing that at the time, do you see now? Because you went to university as well, right? Yeah, yeah. So you could, do you see now how the blue haired, pink haired, because universities now is full of everyone cutting off their genitals or mutilating themselves, and aligned to these mad ideas? Do well, you yeah. see? Do you I, see? I, I scream how, at them. I go, "You sound like a 15 year old me." Yeah, you sound like they me. They talk when I was like teenagers. Okay. The Earth's not going to be around. Joe Biden talks like he's an anal Chinook. <laughs> like he says, we're going to end fossil fuels, solar-powered planes. Great idea. I'm not going on that fucking plane. <laughs> Unless it's going three meters. <laughs> we're all going to die. Yeah, I won't move. <laughs> Just rampant naivete. So, um, yeah, we were in punk bands. That was our culture. And uh, the problem was to get on this program that they added another scam factor. You have to be on welfare. It's to get people off welfare. So we had to get on welfare to get off welfare. <laughs> and the way you get on welfare is you can't be honest and say, I'm just able-bodied and uh, I, I'm unemployed. They're like, screw you. You have to go in cross-eyed and remain cross-eyed the entire time you're there, which hurts your eyes. You'll get a headache. And then you fill out the forms. Don't look at them when you fill out the forms because you have to uncross your eyes, but you use your left hand. So you went work. in disabled? Yeah, so I went in disabled and wrote everything, you know, with these scratchy left-hand writing. To be in charge of the diversity magazine. I got on welfare and she gave me a hundred bucks. 
She just gave me cash as I walked out. <laughs> See, that's the great thing about the destruction of society. If you're tenacious, then you can take advantage of it. Which they are. Yeah. So many are. But but I don't just mean like scamming the government. Like you can walk into in the South Bronx right now, just drive your motorcycle with no helmet. No one's gonna stop you. It's the Wild West. Smoke a cigarette in the restaurant. Like no one enforces anything. We had this I wanted to get tested for no, I wanted to get the uh, immune uh, boosters. This is this is probably naive too. Uh, back when I was like 20 in Montreal for hep C okay. to get uh, immunized. I guess it was a vaccine. And uh, they said, oh, you're, t you're 20, you're too old. And I was like, this is only for teens we're doing. And so I called back and I said, hi, I'm calling about like the hep C thing or whatever. And they go, come in now. <laughs> so I go in and I'm a raving, raving homosexual. Hi, I want like the hep C thing. In front of the line, got all the shots. Uh, <laughs> Because I was gay. And then the only bummer is, at the end, they make you watch a VHS tape about uh, anal licking and the dangers of you know, <laughs> fecal matter during intercourse. And you're like, hey, mate. Uh, I, don't, I, I got it, I got it. This isn't. Now, you'd, you'd watch that by year, year six. <laughs> yeah, that's taught in school. <laughs> you'd have done that in junior school. Yeah. <laughs> you'd know the video. <laughs> you'd already done that. Yeah, you would have made you'd it. You'd be onto the ribbon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, we did that for a while, and, and then we, I, I invited my childhood friend Shane Smith to, to help with the magazine because we couldn't go anywhere because we were in a scam. You know, we, we're like the children that are mashing up the, the, to make hash in, in Lebanon. Like, they don't want us out of that room. They don't want to give us any benefit. They don't want us to see the light of day. We're a, we're a golden goose. Yeah. And uh, he said what I just said, and he said, we've got to fire her and get out of here. So we dropped the O, changed the name to Vice. It was called Voice of Montreal. Oh, oh mate, so did your, your career and your rise to fame started with a diversity magazine. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't have one thing about diversity. Not one article. They didn't, even, they didn't even look at the newspaper. They couldn't have cared less. They were just ticking boxes themselves. Yeah. They just... More and, funded. And their bosses didn't look at it, and their bosses didn't look at it. It was just like, I sent money to diversity. It's good. Like, all this government money is just thrown in a wood chipper. No one cares about it. It's confetti. Like, they lose billions of dollars at a time. Remember in Iraq, they lost a pallet of $3 billion. Imagine how much malfeasance is going on with the $100 billion, or whatever it's up to now, in Ukraine. It's just like, oh, no. it's, it did a loop and came right back yeah, to the most back corrupt to people here. Yeah, back to the Democrats. Yeah. So, so you, just, you changed the letter. Changed the letter, uh, became vice, and we had already been, sp the, the business model was pretty good. It was, uh, we'll give you an ad in the magazine if you distribute it in your town. So we would get these newspapers. It would be about two couches worth of, of bundles of newspapers. And uh, we'd put them on these Greyhound buses. And one would go to New York, one would go to Toronto, whatever, Montreal, Boston. And we said to local record stores, if you, we'll, we'll put an ad in the newspaper if you distribute it. So now they have an incentive to get it out there. They're charging money for something in, in the media industry, like with magazines and newspapers. It really just pays for the infrastructure of charging people. You don't really make any money off it. It's ads you make money off. So we, we would get real ads, and then we would do these char charity ads for the distributors. Now they have an incentive to get it out there and make sure it's seen. So it did really well, that, that model, and uh, this this uh, millionaire Richard Sawinski. Shane was great at bullshitting. We called him Bullshitter Shane. And so there's two of you, yourself and Shane. and Shrush Alvi, this Pakistani guy. You and a Pakistani guy? Yeah. Okay. 
who didn't agree on politics. He wore a ring that says jihad. He still does. No way. <laughs> yeah. No way. Yeah. This is the fact. And we were inseparable for 15 years. Working together. But is, do, do you think that, okay, do you think that's what made it work? Yeah, I think so. Think, and plus, I say work because it doesn't work now. They're going under, right? We'll get onto that. But vice. But, but here's the way things were back then. Like your mate was talking about his gay friend. Like <laughs> it was we, a great conversation. We did. By the way, he's in love with you. Yeah, yeah. You're not friends. He was trying to nail me. <laughs> he was trying to nail. <laughs> but his gay mate booked a holiday. A hol they were going to Dubai together, and his gay friend booked one room with one double bed <laughs> by accident. <laughs> <laughs> he planned that to be a waterbed, but jizz after the duration of the state. But back then, up until, I don't know, Obama, you could be friends with the enemy. Like, you'd hang out together. Yeah, the division wasn't there. The split wasn't totally... No, we would make fun of the other guy. Yeah, yeah. We'd be like, oh, gee, you're all inbred. You know? Yeah. Like, this is a pretty raunchy story, but when I f first moved to New York, I... I I would hear people talking about blacks, and they'd be like, can I say the N-word? They were like, these fucking niggas are driving me crazy, man. Just fucking, every day you hear new bullshit about them. I'm ready to fucking start throttling them. And then the next day you're meeting at dinner, and he shows up, and his wife is black. And he's like, guess why we're late? Guess why we're late? <laughs> Exhibit A. <laughs> and she's like, sorry, I just, and you realize that, People like just talk in a really raunchy, offensive way, but deep down, you know, they're not bothered. They're, they're not bothered. Okay. He loves her. Yeah. You know, and that's the way it was. It, it, from and it would have been it had been getting progressively better since Martin Luther King's assassination in '69, where we went, holy shit, that's terrible. We need to fix things. And it was improving every year, getting better, getting cooler. And then by the '80s and '90s, you could just like make fun of each other like it, it, the whole country was a job work site or a boxing gym yeah. and everyone was mocking each other you know the way you make fun of a bald guy or, or the way they make fun of when i first met you your friend goes oi tommy you want to be in the car seat <laughs> <laughs> you know <The> little man <laughs> and everyone enjoyed it and then obama came but we along. still have that now amongst yes. our friends i still in my friends with that asian black we all still have the right the racial band but it's humor. become like yeah, yeah, un, un, rebellious and secretive and like yeah, yeah. you got to speak in code and we're on telegram and signal yeah, you lose and, your, you lose and we're going life. to jail for it yeah you know like the reason a jury hates you uh or proud boys or anyone is because of the fact that we joke around with each other yeah. it's it's like anti-fun when do you think that changed obama i think obama started and he doesn't know anything about america he's a hawaiian chick who plays basketball like he has down syndrome <laughs> and uh, he he, he uh, came along and he noticed that there's some status in pretending that it's the 1940s again and, and everyone's racist. And, racial identity politics. Yeah. So he's like, hey, 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 we got to stop this white supremacy. And, every, and everyone fell for it. That's the embarrassing part. I think girls mostly, they like that kind of stuff, you know, oppression and everyone. And I want to help the black lady and she's so sad with her little babushka and her little kid and everything. And uh, then that started the division. Then Trump came along and said, this is all bullshit. We're going back to the days of the jet ski and the mullet where we were all joking around and friendly with each other. Like Pittsburgh is that way because everyone's blue collar and they don't have time and energy to, to be petty. They're working all day. And uh, that's what Trump derangement syndrome is because people had got so used to this glorifying the weak and saying nerds are cool and women or girls and, and blacks are doing badly because I'm a racist. 
uh, <laughs> don't take that out of context. Um, Someone's kind of. <laughs> and they just couldn't handle it. It was like, you wait till your father gets home, you know? And he came back and said, it's bedtime. What are you doing up? It's 10 o'clock. You're eight years old. Get to bed. And they had a temper tantrum. And America right now is in this massive temper tantrum. And the Democrats love it because they can use it to leverage power. And I think that's what Jan 6 was. Jan they, they need the divide. Yeah, they need the divide. Like Jan 6 was an irrelevant riot, one from the right in 100 years. The left is having them once a year for 100 years. Well, the BLM riots were burning 30 dead. When America was at its most weakest, you know, clothes are, stores are, 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 uh, are dying, they're, they're, they're closed, they're fucked. And then you're throwing a brick window through them, they only have 1,500 bucks. They're not insured, by the way. There's this misunderstanding that, that Allstate is just paying for all that. Most companies, most local businesses are not insured. Which affected mainly the black and Hispanic business owners. Of course, They yeah. lost their businesses, the corporations come in, took over. Yeah, the banks come in. I looked at a lot of the cities, the big banks, a lot of the cities where the major major shops and units were burned down, where the Black Lives Matter riot, organized riots basically looted entire areas, were the exact redevelopment areas for the new developments of the banks. They literally, it was like it was like an organized plan, burn down these areas, loot the shops, and and the, the laws were changed the year before to make them redevelopment areas, so they were tax free for for when they, but then the banks come in and bought it all. Really? I was looking at I was looking thinking, this is organized. This is like a, a building development program. And Black Lives Matter have been used as an organization to come in and just, it sounds like a conspiracy theory, but when I actually looked at it, I thought, oh my God. And out of the 19 cities, I think, where they, where, 19 cities where the major places were looted and burned, it was like 18 of them. It was insane when it's I went It's like Britain it. after World War II saying, okay, we're going to make an Israel. Let's separate Pakistan and India. Well, the Muslims will go north. It's like the massive country planning, municipal planning on a national level. For the new, for the new world they're creating. But can we go back to Vice? Okay, so uh, Bullshitter Shane. Bullshitter Shane. Is uh, doing an interview. And we used to just, we, we, really, we learned very early that the media is incompetent. So we would get bored of their stupid, inane questions because we were the only interesting thing in Canada at the time. And they go, so what inspired you and Shane? And it's like, I knew he was a, a good bullshitter and he'd make a great salesman. But during the interview, we go, well, we were gay. Uh, we fell in love. And she, she was like, oh, this is their favorite kind of story. This is great. We're going to pop this one. And she goes, how did you find out you were in love? This is in Le Devoir, which is like the New York Times. of, uh, uh, And we would try to crack each other up during the interviews. And I go, <laughs> I was on top when we used to play this game called Tickle Man is Out of Control. The Tickle Machine is Out of Control. And I'd be tickling him. And uh, I was on top of him and he's just giggling away. And then our noses were this close and I just stopped tickling him and just went. And the fireworks that went off, it was just incredible. And she's like, oh God. <laughs> <laughs> and then the picture for the article, our arms are wrapped around each other. <laughs> You've been trolling the media for long since back in the day. Yeah. Dude, that was like 1990. <laughs> Five. Uh, and anyway, another interview, he was talking and he goes, well, we're very excited because Richard Sawinski uh, has decided to buy us. Fabricated a thin air. Richard, Richard Sawinski was this guy who had just moved to Montreal. He invested in the, the CGI company that did Jurassic Park before they did Jurassic Park. So he got like $30 million and he was our first you know, local millionaire. And uh, he was building all these, this like cool CGI kind of Hollywood 
place in old Montreal, which is like lower Manhattan, it's, it's, or Croydon, is like kind of abandoned industrial area, and he was making all these cool things. And he appreciated the hubris of that lie. So he contacted us. <laughs> so you, well, you just said he'd find it just randomly. Yeah, when that, Shane, when, when Shane said it, I was like, Bullshit, <laughs> Shane. <laughs> yes, that's what's happening. So he said, I will invest in you. I'll buy 25% for a million bucks. If you, and we weren't worth close to that. If you present me a contract by tomorrow morning at 8 a.m. and uh, it can only be on one piece of paper. So we just stayed up all night, like <laughs> trying to think of why we're worth $4 million. And obviously there's a lot of projection here saying we will be worth that. It's like on Shark Tank. <laughs> when they go, what are your sales? What do they call it? Dragon's Den in the UK, yeah. And they go, what are your sales so far? And you're like, 30 grand. And I'm like, <laughs> but it's going to get huge. So we didn't lie, but we, uh, we had a lot of projection. It turned out to be true. And uh, he said, great, you're in. Uh, he moved us to New York. He had bought a bunch of other companies. And he said, let's, he goes, if you're big in Montreal, you're big in Canada. If you're big in New York, you're big in the world. Let's get out of here. And he also, I got to give him credit, he gave us this idea of like, don't just be a magazine, have Vice stores, Vice records, Vice And what was, the mag what was, the, mag what was the politics in the magazine? Well, that's another thing too. It was, it was, I mean, you might say it's generally left, but there was lots of right-wing stuff in there too. Like, There's a tongue mix. Yeah, we had skinheads in there. Some guy photographed Nazi skinheads. They're beautiful photographs. Let's put that in. I did an article in 2000, this is after we moved to New York, around 2002 called The New Conservatives. And I was about how nationalism and patriotism are cool now and we're socially liberal. We don't care if you're gay or you do drugs or anything. We don't care about that kind of stuff. But we do care about this wonderful country and, and it's, it's the freest place in the world. If you care about racism, yeah, it's the least racist place in the world. And, and we should, we should you no, know, the West didn't start slavery. The West ended it. So how about a thank you, as Pat Buchanan points out. That's what I feel like Juneteenth should be. It should be black people going, hey, man, thanks a lot, brother. And I'm like, no problem, pal. We lost the equivalent of five million people uh, in the Civil War, the modern equivalent with our population, to end slavery. So, yeah, and horrific deaths, these white men died trying to end slavery. And even the Southerners who died, they were in a war about slavery, you know? So they deserve some gratitude, too. Like, just think of the whole... Well, I've never even heard anyone put this analogy across. Like, say you and I are... I've never even heard anyone even... I've never, and it's so, it's such a great point. Yeah, if you and I, I were, were fighting over a girl and we're both black and blue at the end, she should be thanking us because we obviously see her as important. You know, these 620,000 men died for this cause, for this war. And, and the, the good side And the Republicans. Won. The Republicans, Were the yeah. ones fighting to free. The right, States. fighting the Democrats. No one would think that. You stop any average person in the street in the UK, they think it was Donald Trump and the Republicans who were the... Yeah, and you know, Britain ended slavery. They were the first, our but they didn't have the... were still trying to stop the Arab slave trade. Right, and thousands, thousands died doing that too. Still going on now. Thousands of Brits died doing that. But we had real skin in the game. Like we had 400,000 slaves. We brought over, what, 320? We probably had 400 at the time. And, uh, you know, it was a, a, a country-altering war. It changed the demographics and everything in the country, the culture, everything. We still have to talk about it every fucking day for some reason. But, um, yeah, I don't know how I got to the Civil War. But, uh, so... From the politics of Oh, the yeah, the politics of the magazine. You, you, wrote this, you wrote this article about patriotism and nationalism. Did that fit with the magazine at the time? Yes. Okay. Yeah. 
We had well, you know, that bullshit. We had Jim. You might. We had Janine Garofalo do an article called "I Hate Conservatives." We had uh, Jim Gold write an article called "Hey Kids." some fun facts about slavery and it was written like for a kid but it was like there was more white slaves than black slaves say some people uh with the irish being kidnapped and brought over and stuff and and uh you know blacks had slaves the indians slave had trade. slaves and then the arab slave trade so it was all debunking all the normal narratives about slavery and that was controversial but that was what we we thrived on see that the business model i focused on shame was great at sales but i was good at, at the inner culture of the magazine and i was like sales goes on this side literally of the office. Editorial goes on this side, and I want there to be conflict there. Like I want the guy who has the Yamaha account that canceled because we did a fashion shoot where people were actually fucking. I want him to go, what are you doing, dude? I just lost Yamaha. That's 10 grand a year commission down the drain because you wanted to show basically porn. <laughs> <laughs> and that's good. And once, like when we merged with Britain, Britain didn't like that, Vice UK, they were into advertorials where it's a three-page article on how great Tiger beer is. And you're like, people can smell that bullshit. They don't think you love Tiger beer when it's sponsored by Tiger beer. But uh, after I left, they definitely went that way in the advertorial direction. Um, Let's get to there. How many years were you, you there at Vice? And how big did it grow? So 94 to 208, uh, 2008. And uh, it, was, it was worth the 100 million bucks or so when I, when I left. It was worth 100 million bucks? Yeah. And you left voluntarily? Well, I had to sign an NDA, but uh, I'll just say the conflict with that sales and ad thing and me wanting to stay like edgy and make people uncomfortable, that, that doesn't work after a while. Oh, here's an important detail. So we, we, uh, we, we start looking into the finances and it, we thought we scammed Richard, but it's looking like he might have scammed us. I think he'd blown his fortune and was just sort of bluster at that point it was a pyramid scheme and like they were starting to turn the lights off and so we go we go to Nan Richard. we go to Nantucket to ask him what the fuck is going on that's where all the rich people vacation and uh, he, we go what is going on with the money he goes well we're having trouble with finances well uh, can we are, are we gonna be around for another year at least because I didn't like that phase this is like 99 when we moved to New York to 2001 or two we were just hemorrhaging cash and we we're cheap. It felt good before when we were using our own money and we were hustling, coming up with, with, with not, not scams, but ways to incentivize people and, and you know, everyone earn their keep. And then when we get to New York, it's just like, I, I bought us a camera for our merchandise that goes 360 degrees. It was $30,000. And you're like, whoa, whoa, I could just go like this. We don't, don't spend that kind of money. So he was blowing our, our money in a sense. So we get to Nantucket <clears throat> and we go, what's going on? And he, he goes, there's, I go, there's no money, is there? And he goes, well, it's a little worse. And he goes, we're $500,000 in debt. So we, we go, <laughs> we scream all the way back to the car, back to the ferry, back to the office. We start ripping off the mirrors and stuff, grabbing everything we can. And then we move to a client's warehouse uh, in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. They were called Triple Five Soul, kind of like hip hop wear. And uh, we just started from the ground up. Now, I love that. Again. Yeah, I love that because I was the content. Without guy. Richard. Without Richard. Okay. Oh, so Richard, you fucked up. Said we have 100 million in a little while. Yeah. Yeah, go on, let's get there. Well, but <laughs> you know what he did once? And this was, this was so smart of Shane. He, he saw that we had money and he was hemorrhaging cash. And he goes, you know what? You guys, if you wanna ever want to reinvest in the company, you can do it and I'll treat it at book value, whatever you want to do. So when we, he said, hey, look up. 
put that in writing. So we got a contract that said what he just said. We all signed it. So then when we were worth negative, we bought back the company for nothing because we had that piece of paper saying it's book value whenever we want. So that was great. We're back up to 100% ownership. Okay. And, uh, but so my job was just to go out, keep partying and meeting people and saying, oh, you sh we got to get that in the magazine. You got to go meet Tommy Robinson's all over the place <laughs> and say, we got to get your story. That's a great story. <laughs> like I met a guy who moves yachts and he was shooting at Somali pirates. Like he goes, you don't take them in. You just shoot at the hull. I'm like, that's going in. That's great. <clears throat> um, but they must have built up some resentment because they were back at the office arguing with debt collectors and trying to saying we'll give you a you know pennies on the dollar to pay off this debt and that debt like one of the bills was a $320,000 patent globally on the Vice logo and they're arguing with global lawyers who are probably the most powerful lawyers in the world right they run world law uh, and try to get those bills down and I'm out having the time of my life so I sense there was some resentment there building and I'm making their jobs harder by being more and more controversial so eventually it just became an untenable match up but it, we, we had a divorce and that it was not an amicable <coughs> divorce you wasn't happy about going no okay no I, let me um let me get thank you let me quote I want this is what I wanted to ask you Gavin um, in your resignation letter oh, yeah in your letter when you departed vice you said your ideas would one day blossom into fruition like a hundred humid vaginas in the presence of God's boner. <laughs> Did you say that? Yeah. <laughs> and I was right. <laughs> you were totally right. Yeah. Told you. <laughs> See? <laughs> well, you're worried, you know, after, after you have something like Vice, you're worried you're not going to have a second act. And you had, so, so when you sold out, it's, do you mind if I ask what you sold out? How much money I got? Yeah. I won't say, but it was quite plentiful. I <laughs> see, so <he> left. <laughs> got you, didn't you? <laughs> Enough to live forever. <laughs> but then I've also made tons Love of it. money since then. Like we started an ad agency and sold that and real estate sold that. That's the great thing about America is even, you know, no matter how, even if you're canceled, like right now, censored.tv has 25,000 people paying $10 a month and I'm canceled. I can't bank. So they, they, you know, the left sequesters you and they, they put you in a corner, you can't do anything. But if you just bust your ass, you can make it work. I need to bust my ass some more. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not quite really like you, Gav. Well, this but, place isn't too shabby. But, <laughs> but, uh, I also see that you, um, you become a creative officer at Rooster Magazine. Yeah, Rooster was, was our ad agency. So we started doing comedy sketches. Like I did this sketch, I said my daughter was born unable to walk. And uh, they said she won't walk for at least a year. Uh, and so I was like asking for charity and stuff to help her get her feet. And I've got, there's this doll service you can get where if you're like one-eyed, they make a doll that has one eye. So you like feel better about yourself. And for kids in wheelchairs, they make one with a tiny wheelchair. So I bought it and I got the tiny wheelchair and I put my baby daughter in it. And I would wheel her around to doctor's offices saying like, my daughter was told she won't be able to walk for at least a year trying to get a cure and that that went viral and then I did another video on how to fight a baby basically if you're fighting a baby you want to you do wind that's their Achilles heel they can't they can't deal with wind <laughs> so I'm fighting this baby and he's winning scratch my eye was how he won but uh you wrote an article as well um well but wait those sketches yeah. turned into a production company 
And then that became an ad agency where we would do, get sponsors to do, like we would do a, a, a comedy sketch. I did one, How to Piss in Public, but I'm wearing Vans. So Vans would sponsor the comedy sketches because they go viral and it's a great way to go viral. It sounds like advertorial in retrospect, but uh, it was just a way to market, to get a commercial on a comedy sketch. And then we kept going and going and then we got bought by, um, we got bought by this French company. What the hell are they called again? I forget what they're called, but then I did an article called Transphobia is Perfectly Natural. Yeah, yeah, that's the one. Right after we sold, thank God. They... <laughs> she waited till you sold. Is the money in the bank? Yeah, right. It was just a, a lucky coincidence. But in the article, it wasn't remotely controversial. I was like, let's cut the shit, okay? You haven't seen your dad for a year, and he comes down at Thanksgiving, he comes down the stairs, and he's Veronica. And he has long blonde hair and lipstick on. You're upset. I don't care who you are. You don't go, hi, Veronica, how are you? And she's like, hi, so glad to have the family back. Love you guys. You're kissing his lipstick. Mwah. Hi, dad. I mean, mom or whatever the fuck you are now. It's depressing. That's, it's, it's unnatural. Like when you saw the Kardashians reacting to Caitlyn Jenner and they're all like, hi, what's up? We're going to order Thai. You want Thai? Yeah, I'll get like pad Thai or whatever. <laughs> yeah. It's embarrassing to pretend yeah. that you wouldn't be freaked out. Or your sister comes home with some trans man with that weird lesbian beard they get that only grows here with like four whiskers yeah. here and that the cut off tits, like you'd cry. So that's all I said in that article. Totally true. It wasn't like send them to hell. Well, that article, did that finish that for you? That was the end of Rooster. Because <laughs> 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 I looked on Rooster, I went on Rooster's website and I searched your name. Nothing. You've been deleted Belie from the history yeah, of it. Yeah, completely obliterated. I went on to Vice to search your name. There's just 48 negative articles. Nothing else. Yeah. So your, your legacy of founding it, starting it, all the story you've just told, that's just, that's out of history. That's gone. Well, that's, that's an important lesson. Don't do things for how you'll be remembered in the history books because it's not going to go your way. Because someone just, Who bought Vice? Uh, right now? Now it's George Soros, right? George Soros is interested, I heard, yeah. He's looking at it, yeah. It's cheap. So it's cheap, and, it, and, and when you left, so you were probably the counterbalance that kept it as a, a bit inflammatory, but a real culture, cultured magazine that's showing all sides of politics and quite controversial politics. Yeah, I was the Johnny Rotten of the Sex Pistols, and you, you take them away, you can go visit Ronnie Biggs or something and cut a track, but it's just not the band anymore. It, you know, a good corporation has a hipster, a hacker, and a hustler. And you, you, you get those three people together, and that yes, there will be conflict, but that's like the Rolling Stones. It's this magical combination that comes once a lifetime, and when you get it, don't mess with it. Now, one, one piece of advice I would give is always go and get beers with those guys. Like, I, was, I had fallen in love, and I was getting married, and I, we were no longer the three amigos going out every night, you know, going on vacation together and stuff. So this is your wife's fault? Yeah, it's her fault. <laughs> <laughs> Well, she didn't like the controversy either, and she would kind of spook them sometimes. So yeah, she was a bit of a nervous Nelly. I would say behind every great man, there's a great woman freaking the fuck out. <laughs> <laughs> they, they always think of that. I don't know how your wife is, but they always imagine your wife is like, you go get him, no, you go out there. You know, she's like sweating and like, why are you doing this stuff? <laughs> that hasn't slowed down, has it? No, well, you, I, I literally can't. No, no, that's me. I remember I was a class clown in school, and I ended up in the retard class just to get me out of there. I had good grades, but I was with guys that were like, hello. <laughs> and uh, 
my dad is furious because in Glasgow you're either educated or you're dead, right? Yeah. Which, but that's not the case anymore. But anyway, he's like, you, if you, if I hear about you getting a detention again, I'm going to fucking bar you. I'll throw you through that wall. And I was like, got it, got it, okay. And I remember being in class, just being like, not going to say anything, not going to say anything. And then the teacher said, oh, okay, we have these dress codes now. I got to say, these dress codes are from the 70s, or, and everyone dressed different now. You kids are older. You don't seem to have a problem. But, uh, and I was just like, how about we just come to school nude? Wouldn't that solve all these problems? And then he says, oh, do you want to start the trend, Mr. McKinnis? And I go, ladies first! <laughs> Detention, back to the special class. And I had literally been sitting on my hands, like trying try to stop it. Try to, to stop, stop it. it. You can't not be who you are. No, you're right. You're you know, right. That it's, goes it's back to the 95.5. Okay. You are who you are at birth. And that's what interests me about your genetics, right? Because you were adopted, right? I was adopted by, by, by my father, by, by the Scottish Tommy. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So my mum's mum. Tommy adopted Oh, yeah. that's funny. So my real dad had ginger hair. And I haven't seen him since I was about 10. The last time I saw him, he, was out, he probably drove up to the school gates and I just said, never, ever, ever kill my credibility like that again. <laughs> Get out of it. You know what's funny? <laughs> I talked to your mum all day yesterday and she was challenging my 95.5 because I was like, wow, she seems a lot like Tommy. But he adopted <laughs> she's a her. mad little paddy. Yeah, she's just she's on the caffeine going like that <laughs> nonstop. You, you, if you want to get a word in edgewise, you got to sort of be on your toes. Go, and that's because <laughs> it, like you wait till she inhales. Like, you know, I just dropped there. out of the airport this morning as I'm driving. I didn't even get a word, and it was. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and he ever said, "Mum, please calm down. Like, I'm, I'm tired, man." Oh, I'm so glad. I, I thought she refuted my theory. No, she's no, me. That's, she's that, that's you. me, bro. All right, that makes a lot of sense. Didn't notice in the height, no? And, and she, yeah, yeah. My mum's four foot 11. So when people say I'm short, I made it. You made I it. I made it, mate. You improved it. I'm five foot six. I made it. You don't understand. <laughs> my mum's a size 12 children's shoes. <laughs> I'm a size six. I'm here. Have you ever tried to stop fighting? To stop fighting. And you know what I mean by fighting, obviously. The fight, the battle. Yeah. Um, no. <laughs> um, no, I, I did make the decision in jail in 2015. I'd been put in prison. I'd led the English Defence League. I'd had all the stop, you need to stop. I can't stop. I'm not stopping. Don't make me make. I had the wife. It's me or, it's me or, the, it's me or the movement. See you later. <laughs> So I, I'd had all that. I had my belief. And then in 2015, I got put in jail, got battered. I was away from my family. I felt alone. I was part of a movement that didn't feel like a movement then. I felt like I was on my own. I felt um, distant from everything. And then I actually sat there and thought, you know what? And the police come to see me. That's when I was approached by some secret unit in special branch in Scotland Yard to work for them. And it was to, when I leave prison, to work for them. Yeah? And they end, it, it's a mad story. They went Doing what? Go, Exposing white nationalists? Uniting the right. They want me to leave. So I've left the English Defence League. They want me straight back out there. Mad. Yeah. To find them Nazis. Yeah, to, 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 to be, to, so they could control reactions. So they could control reactions. I'd be their man. But guys, so I, I said, does, does, does A not talk to B? You've just persecuted my life for five years. You've ruined my life. Yeah? You've smashed my doors off. I've had police raid, police raid, police raid. The whole time you're doing that, to stop me leaving the English Defence League, I leave the English Defence League, you lot are sitting here telling me to go leave it. 
go and lead the yacht, unite the right, all of them. I said, what the hell, man? And at that point, I told them straight, I said, I'm never talking about Islam again. And, that, and that, for that moment, at that time, in that prison, I meant it. Come out of jail, and uh, I think Lee Rigby got murdered. <laughs> Lee Rigby got beheaded, if I remember right. And I remember just... Uh, you, you, Lee Rigby didn't have to get murdered, I just had to walk through my hometown, and then I'd want to talk about it and scream about it again. What, wasn't it two waves for you? First was, Luton was a nice working-class town, and they, they got a few Muslims coming in, and you go, all right, that's fine, let's close the doors and assimilate, and we can work together. And then it starts being this takeover where it's, it gets to be like 60%. And you can't, you don't recognize your own town anymore. It just happens like that. Birmingham, yeah, I mean, there's, how many towns have this story? Every town now. Every town. Milton Keynes? Yeah, and Milton Keynes, they put 10,000 Somalians on Fishermead Estate. Yeah, every town. Wow. So the demographic will change to every town. Well, I've heard of Brits going to Northern Britain, one of your mates lives in, not Northern Britain, Northern Ireland, to get away from this because a Brit is more safe in Northern Ireland than he is in his hometown. Yeah. With the uh, yeah, IRA. Yeah, yeah, totally, yeah, totally. He'd rather be with the Irish separatists than the Muslims. Yeah, totally, yeah. It's yeah, safer. Like, but the, so, the, 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 what they'll call white flight, it's not white flight, it's white and black flight, it's white black and Asian flight, it's everyone flight apart from the Muslim flight. Everyone's going like that. So the Muslims are going like this and everyone else is running. So that's phase one, but then you start doing your research and you discover there's these grooming gangs. So that's a second wave, a second battle that is a second on top of that. Well, I, I just see the grooming gangs growing up in Luton. I've seen it my whole life. I, I had relatives that were victims of them. I know girls that are victims oh, of them. Oh, so these two phases were simultaneous? Simultaneous. It's just a phase of growing up in a town that when you're born in 1982, had one mosque. By the time I'm, I'm the age of my, I am now, there's over 40. The, the demographical change, the change to freedom, what you, what you witness, that's my life. So I witnessed it and speak about it. That's it. That's what's brought let, you. Let me present a scenario to you. There is a, a Pakistani groomer. His name is Muhammad Robinson. Okay. He uh, is persecuted for, they don't have good evidence, but they throw him in jail anyway. In jail, he's attacked multiple times. They try to throw boiling water on him. Right. He gets out. He goes back to his molesting ways. Um, they arrest him again. They throw him in jail twice for the same crime. Um, eventually they, they attack his family. They don't want him in this country. Uh, eventually he has to, they, they try to kill him in prison. Eventually he has to go on the lam. He can't even be in his hometown again. He writes, a, he does a documentary defending himself saying kids are sexy. And they say, if you release this movie, you're going to jail for seven years. So now he lives on the land. Does he end up sitting next to Gavin McGuinness? <laughs> <laughs> but my point is, you're living the life of someone. That they should that be. They should, That's what you're yeah, It's for them. completely upside down. You're totally right. Like if you, if you just read Tommy's life, you go, oh, that guy must be a pedophile. That's just, yeah, that's just it's like, No, he's fighting pedophilia. The pedophiles are walking around. They have their own delis. Yeah, they've all, they've all got their own businesses, restaurants, and they're celebrated. They're all on the police. They're police force. They're, they're in the police. They're in the government. They're the judges. Yeah, they're there. They're winning. So surely, like that, must drive people insane when we're here. We're, we're on the run. We're exiled, but having fun. Yeah. Well, they can't take that away from us. They can't us. take that away. From I want to go back to your story, Gav. Okay. I, want to, I don't want to get lost in mine. We can get lost in mine at the end. I want to okay. tell your story or hear your story because I haven't heard it. Well, the difference between you and I too is I'm just being normal and getting persecuted. You're being heroic and getting persecuted. And I guess your persecution is much more intense than mine because you're working so much harder. But. Uh, I, I, so, lose the ad agency, feeling pretty low. Uh, I start appearing on Fox News a lot. Are you married at this point? Oh, yeah. 
I was married in 04, four years before the end of ICE, but it was okay, already so before the end of ICE, okay. And, yeah. chi and children? Children came along right after marriage, because I'm not a pussy. If, you're not, if your wife isn't pregnant four months into the marriage, you're doing something wrong. What's the matter with you? Although one thing I really regret about having kids is before we had kids, I should have just had a bucket by the front door and said, every time you're in the house, you're nude. You can wear high heels if you want. Because now we can never get any time alone together. But our entire dating life, I should have insisted she was naked, making toast, watching TV. Where's your wife from? She's, she's from Madison, Wisconsin. She's half Indian and half Slovak. Half Indian? Yeah, I thought but she you, was... But a, I read on Wikipedia, you're a white supremacist. Yeah, I guess so. My, my, you must just angry fuck. My son's middle name is White Thunder. They all have Indian middle names. And that's because it's his, it's his mother's uh, family's maiden name. See, White Thunder, the media would take that as white supremacist. They do at school. They call him White Power. Oh, no. And I go to him. First of all, what's the matter with white power at school? Uh, secondly, uh, you realize the irony of someone taking an Indian name and, and using it to call you a racist, right? Like, so you, so your, son gets, your son gets a hard time. Oh, yeah, really bad. Like, that's... I always reference the Boer War of 1900, where the Boers were winning, and then they started going after their families, the English, you know, starving the kids and killing the, the wives, and the Boers just went, I'm out. They did it with America too, but the Americans, which were the British, got mad and said, fuck you. So it doesn't always work. I, I think with us, it was more the American model where we said, fuck you, now I'm really mad. But yeah, they ostracized my son. My, when, when things got really bad, when I first moved to the suburbs, it was the most bizarre thing. So Antifa hates you, you get that. I, they hate me because I hate them. And I've said, these people are terrorists, we need to take care of them, right? They were attacking us. And conservatives weren't fighting back. So people would accuse me of violence because I would say fight back. What, what are Antifa to you? Who are they? They're different in every town, but they're disgruntled, spoiled brats. In New York, they're overeducated NYU and Columbia students who want to fight, but they don't want to get caught. So they want to like be in a mob, punch you, and then run away. Or even better yet, pepper spray you. That's just this. Cowards. Cowards. In, uh, in Berkeley and San Francisco, a lot of them are sort of wayward crackheads who get picked up by these Soros-funded companies and they sort of they become your family and then you got to pay the family back. They house them. You know, they have the Soros-funded homes yeah. in, in the Southwest. Uh, in Portland and the Pacific Northwest, they are meth heads who aren't funded by the government and they've just, they're just violent lunatics who are high on meth and pedophiles. My joint important. And uh, <laughs> no, they're, they, they diddle kids. They are completely psychotic. They kill each other. Like they're meth heads. They're tweaked out. And, then that, and now there's patients. a whole tranny movement of them. Yep, yeah. They all seem to be trannies. Yeah, well, they're deviants too, right? Like even if you were an anarchist that was set on liberating people from the government, which by the way, isn't that the accusation in Jan 6? Antifa should love Jan 6 if they're following their own rule book. They're Antifa on the side of the establishment. Every time. Yeah. They're, they're like the boot boys. No, they fight you if you're anti-vaccine. They, they attack old ladies that don't want their kids vaccinated. Antifa will show up to jump them to help the government enforce their vaccines. They're fucking... Do you think they're controlled? Who, who do you think controls Oh, absolutely. Control? Who do you think yeah, controls yeah. Them? No, they get paid. They get checks. It's all these umbrella organizations of Soros. NGOs. Yeah, and they get a hundred... A lot of them get a hundred bucks. Some of them are so stupid, though, they just show up to this thing. You can tell by the signs. Yeah, they're all the, the pre-planned, The placards pre match. They're not hand-painted. Same you know? in the UK. But um, these, 
these moronic uh, Antifa guys, even if you are by the books, right, an anarchist, your company has a thing where they cover their faces and they can attack people and get away with it. You're obviously going to attract miscreants and violent psychopaths just by your very model. It's free violence. You offer free violence, someone's going to jump in and say, well, I want to be part of that. I don't really care about the politics. So they bring knives and stuff and they throw, you know, those flash bombs and, and shit. Um, but so they exist. They're mad at me because of Proud Boys. And then we move to the suburbs and Antifa puts a giant billboard on the highway exit that goes to my village. And it says, no fascists in, and then says the town. And it has my face on it. And no way, man. the cops don't take it down because it's the highway. That's the state troopers uh, uh, jurisdiction. And the state troopers take like a week. <laughs> so you just keep see, my family sees it, everyone sees it and it goes in. And then there's flyers that are put up all over my town, my small town, all over my kid's school with all my quotes, like choke a tranny, for example. And it, uh, that's a good example of my quotes being taken out of context. At, at one of these Trump rallies, these Antifa guys were spitting in Trump supporters' faces. And then they, they would go, the guys would go together and they go, you can't hit me, I'm a girl. Identify as a woman. And so the, the conservative pussies were going, security, security, instead of tuning the guy up. And I said, no, I don't care if they say they're a tranny. Choke a tranny. Someone spits in your face, choke them out. And so then they, they, they so just they take just the choke a tranny choke. thing. Okay. Like, I, like context, anyone would say. Context is so important yeah. in everything. And, and use your, your brain. brain. Like no one is going to say, hey, do you see a tranny? Go up to one on the street and just go. <laughs> just but they betray you as someone who would. Queer. You're betrayed as someone that would say that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They the want media, that. The media have built this image of you. Yeah, well, I think non-whites are behaving so badly these days, especially black crime in America, that they desperately want white villains to balance it. Yeah. So they say, yeah, Gavin and his cronies, they just go through the streets at night, randomly, you know, sucker punching. They play the knockout game. And you're like, no, we don't play the knockout game. That's a different group. Sorry, guys. Um, but the, the weird part was, you get, I get that, right? Radical leftists attack my town, blah, blah, blah. But the housewives, the moms, I was talking about this with your mom and, and your kids yesterday. The moms take the torch from the radical left lunatics Antifa and they go, all right, we'll take it from here, thanks. Yeah, we're going to isolate the wife. We're we'll terrorize him. him too, now that he lives out here with us. Thanks for showing up. Like, say you were a bunch of Nazi skinheads, and you went to a conservative town, like in Connecticut, there's a, a what's it called? Um, I forget the name of it, but New Cannon, we'll say. That's a pretty conservative town. If skinheads showed up to, Nazi skinheads showed up to a conservative town and said, this person is a nightmare, prosecute them. They're, you know, a packy lover or a, a fag a fag. The conservatives housewives would say, get the hell out of my neighborhood, you freaks. But the liberal housewives. But the liberal housewives go, yes, tell me more. And they use the same verbiage. Like you can't imagine conservatives housewives using Nazi skinhead terms. No, no. Uh, but he, it's, the left is so unified that they, the liberal Democrat housewife is, has the exact same politics as Antifa. Yeah. So then they start terrorizing my kids and like my little boy was four at the time and they, they would like invite all the entire classroom to a birthday party, <clears throat> but not him. And he was so young that he didn't get it. He just no, thought, oh, that's I, weird. I, I had exactly the same with my son. 30 kids were invited. 30 kids in the class, 29 were invited. And my youngest boy looks quite Indian. He's got like Asian eyes. And all these white kids are showing with the t-shirt from the party. And he doesn't have it. And he's so young, it didn't Don't hurt get him. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, imagine you walk into a restaurant and everyone has a cowboy hat. You'd go like, <laughs> a lot of cowboys here. 
So he's just like, <laughs> look at all your shirts. <laughs> you have the same shirt. <laughs> Meanwhile, you know, it was a fuck you to him. And then my daughter is older. She's eating lunch alone. Oh. Uh, we get her into this boarding school because it's not going to work, right? She's no. not having a childhood, thanks to these bitch moms. I have a whole list of stuff on my phone if you want to go through it. All. Mm -hmm. It would take all night. But um, so we get her this this school, a holy child, it's called, the Catholic school. And they're about unity and, and sisterhood and protecting each other and being there for, you know, children in danger and helping everyone. And then they, they accept her and then they Google me and they kick her out. And I'm like, holy child? Ever heard of Sins of the Father? Harvey Weinstein's daughter goes to holy child. <laughs> so we, we finally... No, I'm, I'm bringing so many parallels in my head of what's going on there. It's just like, I don't get it. Like, with Bloods, they see a Crip is getting groceries and they see he's with his kid and they're like, ah, oh, fuck, I can't kill him today. The Mafia, oh, we got a hit out on this guy. Oh, he's with this fucking kid, damn it. The Liberals, the liberals get him. Get, it's, like, they, they were trying to get me deported. And I'm like, you realize me getting deported, I'm still doing my thing. I'm on the internet, I'm still traveling. All you've done is deny my children a father. So you're trying to hurt they, they don't want children woman to have fathers, children. So do they? Yeah. They don't want children to have fathers per se. <laughs> it's maniacal, isn't it? I mean, Antifa doesn't want anyone to have a family, but these, these women with families, they want to ruin yours. And it's, as your mom pointed out yesterday, it's usually because theirs are shit. Mm. Like there was this woman, here's a typical uh, woman. Here's, let me give you two examples of the women that were behind all this terrorism. There was this woman. Uh, you're right, it is terrorism. Yeah, Fatwa Kari or something. She's uh, a Muslim. Her brother died. Uh, I hope I'm getting her name right. We'll have to check that, maybe put it in the notes. Her brother died fighting jihad along the border in India, fighting at Indian soldiers. And he said dying for Allah was his greatest gift. Her Muslim husband allegedly, they got divorced because he felt up this random woman at a party because he got drunk, I think, and he wasn't used to booze. Her, her dad's a successful uh, CEO at uh, Ethan Allen, I think. The, so she's putting signs on my lawn that say, hate has no home here. Every single house the in the community says, hate has no home here. And I was like, I said to my wife, I'm going to put a sign on her lawn that says, jihad has no home here. Uh, I mean, this guy... What was this like for your wife? Well, um, what was it like? what was, when, what's going on in your house when all this is going on? Brutal. Your relationship? Pretty bad. Pretty bad. Yeah, she tried drinking. She tried therapy, medication. She went away. Like, we have money, so she went to a spa. But if we didn't, she'd go to a loony bin. Our marriage was on the rocks, and she was like... Was she scared? She was scared, yeah. There was death threats, a lot of death threats. They vandalized the house. They vandalized the cars. The house was attacked. When I go outside, I'm walking the dog. There's Zeke Heiling and saying, Heil Hitler, which I should have just done back to them. But I was with my... Always when I'm with my four-year-old. Oh, brother, so mad. They, I, and like, wait, wait, no, so mad, because you hear all of this, and you think, what is it you actually done? Started the Proud Boys. Started the Proud Boys. That's what we need to get onto. Because we're going to have some affiliations here because we're going to have similar treatment to the Proud Boys to the English Defence League. Um, what, what is the Proud Boys, Gavin? If you started the Proud Boys, what is it? And why did you it's start the it? the Knights of Columbus meets Animal House. It's uh, just a men's club. I've always liked to have a club. When, when we were kids in high school, we were half mods and half punks. So we called ourselves the monks. And we had rituals. Like if you fart and you don't say safety, we get to beat the shit out of you until you can name five breakfast cereals. And my buddy Steve, he was one of the punks, and he was so brave that he would fart, and you would get so excited. Because 
you're because you're, you're about to beat the shit out of someone. So he'd go, <laughs> and I go, <gasps> and then just as I was saying the word is slug, but we thought it was slut back then, and and so I go, <laughs> and he goes safety. <laughs> And I was like, like my adrenaline's pounding. And I just got it taken away from me. Oh, okay. Whew. Oh. So we brought that to the Proud Boys. We'll start playing that from now, yeah? Yeah, okay. All right. Uh, we, we started doing that with fun. the Proud Boys. One time we were doing, we're pounding a guy, and he's like, I'm out of cereals. And there's like seven of us. And I was like, there's no, uh, there's no caveat for this. Like, I don't know what to do. There's die. no like emergency. He's gonna die. There's no red button somewhere where it's like we stop and okay, you didn't make it. So I go, I, you're gonna, then we're like, can we say cereals to him? He's gonna die. <laughs> like there's it's, when it's when there's ten of you like at a party, there's one guy on the feet <laughs> breaking those little bones. <laughs> Charlie horses, you got the ribs. Like you're covered in bodies going bam, 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 bam. The feet is a good one too, because that really hurts the next day. And there's, sometimes it can get too crowded up in the arms, and you're punching fists. But there's no competition down at the feet, and you just wham, wham, wham those bones. Um, so we uh, at my show. So I, so I did the sketches, lost the ad agency. Then I had the column. I had, did a lot of Fox News, and then my buddy goes, "You should do a podcast, and we'll film it at this comedy club." So I started doing that sit-down podcast because I was at Fox. I could get like Tucker Carlson and and. Uh, 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 you know, conservative celebrities. And then I got a show with Anthony Kumi. He's like this shock jock, Opie and Anthony, and he had he got fired. Him, and then they merged with Blaze? No, that's later. So um, I was with him for a while. He got you fired come back for, he was taking pictures one night, and this black tranny was in the shot, and she just started punching him in the face. He was armed at the time. And he, he lost his temper on Twitter and said, these people, you never name names, but they have this jump, jump to violence with no words in between. Like the problem with the black community is there's no like, hey man, I swear one more time, you're gonna get ironed out, like you always say. They just, boom, like right out of the blue. And he goes, that's a, the, one of the biggest problems in that community. And Jesse Jackson has said this, and Al Sharpton has said this, it is a problem. So he got fired for that, but he started his own thing. And then I, I went from my podcast to his, and then I got a great deal at, at CRTV. Every, uh, every, um, employee at both companies with examples of me saying the n-word or doing that choke a tranny thing and all these out of context clips and and articles and stuff and they just found one affirmative action black woman who was like if you hire him i'm gonna sue and they had just been sued and they had ptsd so they said you're fired it's a different board now i get along with them well but then i was on my own and then i was feeling really down and out and uh, i went was to it cancelled already at this point off social media Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're gone from all sorts. You're one of the... You're deleted by PayPal. Oh, yeah. Banks closed. Yeah. Payment processors. Pinterest. Pinterest gone. <laughs> yeah, everything. MailChimp. MailChimp. Yeah, I can't bank. If you gave me a pub... Welcome to the club, bro. If you gave me a well, pub, I, I could process the credit card. I joined your club. Yeah, yeah. You were first. Was I? I think so, yeah. Because you were really extreme. Well, we're mixing a lot of time here. So this is now like 20... Uh, uh, 20, just before COVID and uh, so pretty recently and I was like, I guess I'm done. I think I might be done. And then I went to see Alex Jones, did Infowars and he played this clip from the Bionic Man. Do you remember the Bionic Man? He was, it, it was a popular show before Star Wars in the seventies and it's this guy, I don't know if he's FBI or something, he gets in a horrible car accident and they go, we can rebuild him. And they make him into this like 
robot guy yeah. who can like jump over buildings and stuff and he's got a bionic eye he can see miles and stuff and he becomes a super agent and so he plays that he's like we can rebuild him we're gonna hey, rebuild Alex, yeah, Alex is saying that I was like yeah you know what you're right fuck it let's do it so then I started my own site freespeech.tv which we got sued uh, they someone owned a copyright to something similar and they were, I could tell they were trying to goad us into a suit because they had infinite money so I didn't take the bait, changed it to censor.tv, and we just started getting subs, and, and it's been going great ever since then. But- we go back to the Proud Boys. So back to the Proud Boys. So that was more like 2014, and I was with Anthony Cumia then, the Gavin McInnes show. And uh, there was this producer we had, we called him Rat, Ben Ratner. And he was 24, and he was a virgin. And the worst part about it is he was fine with that. And I was like, Ben, this is like having cancer. Like, you should be getting tit chemotherapy right now. Like, you're dying. And I was the last of my buddies to get laid. I was 17. And they were like, Big Kimmy's over at, our, at Paul's house right now. If you don't fuck her, we're going to kill you. <laughs> Good friends. Yeah, yeah. I came over there. By the way, I didn't know how to get her into the bedroom. Because uh, what are you going to do? It's like, well, would you like to make love? Excuse me, guys. I'm going to lose my virginity. Come on, honey. So the way I did it was, and your brain helps you in these crisis <laughs> oh, I'm situations. I'm looking forward to this, man. There was a bin of umbrellas and stuff, and a cane. And I, so I take out the cane, and I'm like, Psh, oh shit. <laughs> it's surprisingly painful, a cane. And I, I go, check it out, Kim. Psh, and she's like, ow! And then she gets up, and I was like, Psh, does it hurt? <laughs> I rounded her to the bedroom like a sheep. <laughs> you might be getting a dick in for this one. Oh, dude, it was so, it's in my book, Death of Cool. When she was, so she was, I think she'd fuck one guy too. We're both 17. And she goes, I'm wearing something I hope you like. How old was she? 17. Oh, okay. And she takes off her dress, her sundress, and she's like, she's kind of shy. And she's like, she's wearing thigh high white stockings, garter belt, corset. She's got massive tits that are, I'm getting a boner just talking about it right now. Yeah. These massive tits being held out on like a, you could put drinks on them. And she's like, do you like it? And I'm like, uh, yeah, yeah, that'll do. Uh, that's a pass. That's good. And then for the, the next ten seconds, six seconds, <laughs> we were in thriving ecstasy for seconds and seconds and seconds. But anyway, um, so I'm telling Ben these kind of stories, rat. And I'm like, wait, you went to Disneyland? First of all, what? And you went with men and women. You're men and women, by the way. You're in your 20s. And you didn't get wasted and you didn't fuck anyone? You guys just like drank Coke and went on rides? Like this is the infantilization of our New youth. generation. That's like if I was 13 and I went to Disneyland with my friends, we would have like stolen cigarettes and like found a bottle of wine or something. <laughs> I would have felt some tits or something. So it became a fun thing. And talking about how the death of masculinity and, and not in a, a serious like Andrew Tate kind of way. It was like- This a, is the pre-Tate, you know? Yeah, this we, is pre-Tate. This is pre-Tate. So you were, go, go on, because I thought about this yesterday, the pro, you were building a movement of pro-masculinity. Right, and we were saying like, and, it's, it, and it, was, it was, you know, pro-Western too. It was like, I'm done with shame. We, we, we're awesome, you know? We, we built this, we, the West built uh, everything. everything. <laughs> Western civilization. Like everyone bitches about, about the West, and, and you're like, really? They invented that, 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 that. Like look around the room. The way this wall was built, you know, glass. This, not just this painting, but the process for putting it up there. But anyway, so we're, we're saying things to like, we're trying to help them. And we're like, okay, you need a leather jacket. 
not a motorcycle jacket, but like a leather jacket, you need some facial hair. You need to get a motorized vehicle. It doesn't have to be a Harley. It could be 50cc little moped. Not a scooter where you sit like a secretary, but like a little bang. Uh, and you need to take up a combat sport, jiu-jitsu, boxing, I don't know what it is. And he's like, no. I'm like, what? I'm giving you a pathway out of this. <laughs> yeah. You're in a prison. I've got the keys. And you're like, no, thanks. I'm good in here. He lived way out in Queens, which is like living in Essex or something. Can we get a picture of this geezer that's put in this, put in this podcast? Yeah, yeah, I'll get it <laughs> I'll find you Is he still a virgin? He doesn't like me talking is about this. Is he still this. a virgin? I'm, I'm not surprised you don't like to talk about it. I got a porn star who says, I'll fuck him. And he's like, no, thank you. <laughs> Mercedes Carrera, she's like a 9.8. And he's like, not, not on my watch. That's how you're divorced. Yes. <laughs> That's really bad news, but I don't, I don't blame her. Like, I'm playing. A marriage survived. <laughs> I get it now, sorry. I was going to get all serious. Yeah, I'll, I'll see mistakes. So we have this jokey club, and uh, sorry, we have this jokey sort of a, a thing we do with him, and we talk about the death of masculinity. And, and I, I keep saying on my show, like, dudes, you stole liquor from your parents at 14, right? We're doing blow, you're partying, you had a threesome, you're 24 now. I'm not talking about rat anymore, he hadn't done any of that stuff. They're, they're the pendulum is, is too far the other way with them. And I'm like, put a ring on it, start making babies. You've been with this girl for six years, what are you gonna get, her but with bigger tits? Like, just grow up. If you don't sow your wild oats in 10 years, then you have mental issues. Meanwhile, I was drunk till 5 a.m. last night, but you get the idea. <laughs> um, and so guys were calling me and saying, you know what, you're right. And I also said, Drop out of school and get a trade. This liberal arts stuff's a waste of time. And we were starting to get calls of guys going, uh, I'm a plumber now, I'm making 70 grand a year. I, I married my, my wife, we got a baby coming on the way. Thank you, you saved my life. Like I'm portrayed as this guy who, who is, is out to like Zeke Heil or whatever. We don't even talk about race that Jesus much. Shit. It's always about getting a ring on it and being a man and growing up. And uh, We had this conversation last night with the Moroccan barmaid. Oh yeah, yeah, we got served with Zeke this maid. Zeke down too well. You know, she was out. I said, you need to go back to Morocco and you need to focus on a, oh, a house with babies in it. And she goes, no, I have mother interests. I, and I go, what, serving beer? You should be serving sandwiches. <laughs> I was like, I was like, ah. She reeked, by the way. Yeah, she was. Bad. Her B.O., Jesus. Yeah, That's a problem in that. She ain't gonna get a husband. She said, you should, wait, get some deodorant, then get a husband in that order. But, um, so, uh, so I go to this musical, uh, not a musical, I go to a, a piano recital thing for my kids' school. And my, my daughter plays the guitar, so she's like, uh, I don't know, how old is she? She's probably like 10 at the time, so she's like, plink, 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 plink. And my son was even younger, and he's on the drums, like he wrote his own song, but it's terrible. It's like, boom, 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 ksh. And you're like, oh, good. Uh, and then, of course, the Asian kids are out there, <laughs> playing box concerto. <laughs> Now, Puerto Ricans have this weird thing I didn't really know about back then, but they don't see singing as gay. So, you, like I have a cop friend who's a Puerto Rican. He went to school to sing. Like, he, 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 the mornings he was like, ah, opera, pop, rock. He still does it. Like, he worked on Proud of Your Boy for me. He's, he's, he goes, I'm almost there. And then he finally gets there, and he's, he's good, obviously. But he's like, Proud of Your Boy. Like, if I said, Dad, you got to come to my song tonight, and I was like, one step <clears throat> over the rainbow, my dad would be like, oh, for fuck's sakes, man. <laughs> You're quite a good guy. 
are you kidding? Yeah, that did come out pretty good. So this kid is singing, proud of your boy, I'll make you proud. And I was like, looking around the room like, this is a talent? And the song is really annoying. It's from a musical and it's got that stupid self-deprecation thing. Like, as, as sad as I've been, mom, you're in for a pleasant surprise. And I was just like, that is the gayest thing I've ever fucking heard in my life. <laughs> so we, uh, we start on the show. I go, find this song. And then Rat, of course, knows it. It's from the musical Aladdin. Of course, Rat knows it. <laughs> yeah. So we start singing it all the time. And it means, like, it meant to us, like, not someone not to be proud of, really. Okay, this is where Power Boys, where Power Boys comes from. Yeah, yeah. Ledge. And, and I've heard the left be like, oh, so it started by mocking a person of color? Yeah. And you're like, just like his career style. Puerto Ricans are white, first of all. <laughs> okay. They speak a European language. But, um, so then I, I have an old, I would wear Fred Perry's back then all the time. I've always sort of a, well, kind of an Anglophile. And I, I just randomly chose a black and yellow Fred Perry. And I said, these are our shirts now. We're called the Proud Boys. I think it was May 25th of 2015. And uh, these are the rules. I wrote a bunch of tenants. Like, we, Fuck. And it's pretty leftist. It was like, fuck the drug war. We need prison reform. There's way too many people in jail for bullshit. Uh, free speech. Venerate the housewife is really important. Something. Like, respect housewives. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. We live in a culture where they go, what do you do for like, I'm, a, I'm in PR. Oh, good. And then one woman goes, what do you do? And, and she, she's embarrassed to say, I'm a, a stay-at-home mom. It's the it's best like, one. You shape lives. No, you create lives from scratch. You build them. From, from, a few, from one piece of jizz, you create life, and then you shape the life. Like not to be a tranny. Yeah, 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 yeah. And they, they always go like, oh, they're just cooking and cleaning. No, the, their entire home is their man cave. So they decide what picture goes where, and they decide what we're going to eat. And if they want to order Thai, it's not like the dad goes, look, I, your job is to get in there and make food. He's like, yeah, Thai, sounds great, whatever, I don't care. So they have a great life. And all you hear about is women in the workforce, they're always complaining, like eavesdrop at a pub next time you're there. And if, if it's two people from work, like if you're there around lunchtime, they're just bitching and bitching. They hate it. And when you hear men talk about work, they want to hear what you do. And then they start getting into how that could be better monetized. Like they're like, oh, okay. Oh, so the people have to sign up and then you both bid on the contract. What if, what if you knew about the contract first and you could have bid, like they want to help the guy get money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no bitching and moaning. It's like, let's get into this. Let's work on it. So, fucking, fucking phone. Um, uh, <clears throat> so, so, so better the housewife is a big one. Respect the housewife. Respect the, the entrepreneur. So you had your own tenants. Yeah. Of course, the same as Tate. Yeah, and, and there was rules in there. No white power stuff. No Nazis. If if you're in that, you have to be. And all of these got, had to be fought every day. Like absolutely no women at meetups. And I don't care if you identify as women. And they're like, this guy, he's got a cunt, but he's pretty cool, and he's got a beard. And I'm like, fuck no, no. And running the thing was a, a nightmare. I get calls from like St. Louis and they're like, hey man, I gotta talk to you about something. Okay, what? I'm, I'm at work. No, this is important. Okay, we were at a meetup uh, the other day and afterwards, like I, if, if he said afterwards there was girls there, I'd be like, well, if they didn't attend the church, then that's fine, we have church. We call it church, like the Hells Angels. Uh, but he goes, afterwards, there, some guy was dancing on the bar and everyone was laughing. He pulled his pants down, he had a rubber ducky, and he put a rubber ducky up his ass. And I'm like, okay, A, I don't care. B, 
a what did you put your ass on your show? A butt plug. A butt plug. Yeah, yeah. and people really latch onto that. It's like like I was sitting there like an OnlyFans going ah. Oh. No, it went like that. I've, I've seen it. Yeah, we were watching it Hillary Clinton. As hell. Hillary Clinton was dancing like this, and it's like she looks like she has something up her ass. Like who dances like that? I go, I bet I could dance better with something up my ass. And we had porn stars on the show out, so I had a butt plug, a little one. So I put it in my ass, and then I started dancing around like better than her. And I'm like, I'm better than her with something literally up my ass. <laughs> I did it all the time. I did, we did this magic trick once. I did it on the street. And what I did was I rolled up an ace of spades. I put it in a condom, and I put it up my ass. And then I had a stack of cards that was all ace of spades. I got it at like a joke shop. And so I go pick a card, any card, and they have the ace of spades. Show it to everyone, don't show it to me. And now uh, I do the little ritual, and then I pull out a card out of her pocket that I've snuck in there, and it's uh, two of diamonds. And there's tourists everywhere. This is, was on, we put this on the internet. And I go, uh, is this your card? And everyone's like, no. And I go, what the fuck, oh shit, sorry. And then I go, oh well, I guess I screwed up. And then I hug her goodbye, and I pull out the three of hearts. And I go, is this your card? And people now are like, you suck. And people are starting to leave. And I go, fuck, I can't believe I screwed up that trick. And just as people are leaving, I go, wait, wait, wait. And I pulled out my pants. I pulled the condom out of my ass. I cut it open. And there's the ace of spades. I'm like, is that your card? <laughs> and people are like, ew. <laughs> <laughs> so to get mad about it, like it was some sort of gay event. It's like, that, that's a thing with young boys like when you're 14 15 you don't know what gay is but it's like unimaginably horrible so if you want to if you want young people not to like a guy find something that you can call gay and then they'll go Ugh. and that's really that's really my my threat and i think it's your problem and i think it's andrew tate's problem is that young men find us influential yeah. and the the deep state that's the that's andrew tate's crime yeah, that's was being appealing to young men and giving them Making them feel unashamed of themselves. Not necessarily even proud. Making them want to be better. Yeah, wanting to be better men. You have better men. Now you have people that are going to say no to take our guns and no to stifling free speech. We're going to have a bunch of Tommy Robinsons. We cannot have that. So we need men ashamed of themselves with their tails between their legs. And if you, if you can say don't, you don't need your tail between your legs, wag that tail. And young men are going, that sounds good. Now you're the enemy of the state. Yeah. No matter how jokey it is. Like Proud Boys. So they, Proud Boys was literally... Yeah, you, yeah. It still is, though. Like, they go, oh, it started as this fun, goofy thing, and then it became a militant militia. No, it became a militant militia in the media. You told, yeah, you created, because, what was it, Enrique? Enrique Tario, yeah. Enrique Tario, so he was, was he Cuban? Yeah. Was he Cuban? Afro-Cuban, they call it. Afro-Cuban. And um, I spoke with him. I remember when you first blew up, yeah? Yeah. When it first blew up, I remember doing an interview with him saying, they're coming for all of you, bruv. You're all, dude, they're going to come. They're I gonna... remember you saying that. I yeah. remember I said... English Defence League, they got into every division and they won't be happy until every leader of every division is broken. They'll come for money, they'll come for finance and they'll lock you all up. Yeah? Yep. Where, where is he now? Uh, is he I think jail? he's out of jail, yeah. But he was in jail. But he's facing a lot for, for, for January 6th. He still he wasn't even now. there. He wasn't even there. And he, he took the blame for stealing this a Black Lives Matter uh, flag off a church and burning it. But, my son. but he's worked with the feds. So I have no idea. Uh, because they said he's FBI. They said he was working with the FBI. Right. But do I believe that? Do you believe that? I don't know. You see, you see the problem I know is he has been an informant. He definitely has. Absolutely, yes. Or is that, how do you know? Because he was arrested many years ago for selling these diabetic test strips that he got illegally. And he was, well, obviously wasn't certified to be a pharmacist. But he was selling them diabetics for, you know, a tenth of the price. 
and he got caught and he, he sang like a bird to prevent Oh, that's 100%. Getting, yes. Because when I saw that, when I saw that come out, I thought, they're just hanging him. Because by putting that out, the police, by putting out the information that he's an informant, he was credible, he was very likable, he was cool, and that straight away they've took away the non-white face of the Proud Boys. Yeah. Because all the Proud Boys then are believing he's an informant. So I, I, I think the government played dirty tricks and the police played dirty tricks. And when I saw that said about him, I questioned it. I didn't believe it. He's, it's very confusing. And the problem with the Proud Boys too is, is there's a criminal element there. It attracts some, some hustlers. So you get feds that you got to weed out, but you also get these Razzo Rizzo, petty gypsy-like criminals that will steal from your fundraiser and, yeah. and stuff like that. You got to watch out for those fuckers too. And I think it's Enrique is like a petty criminal. Okay. And so he's anyone's dog for a bone. And, and he's kicked out now. And, and the okay. fed stuff was number 36 on the list, I'm told. It's the same problem. You, you'd have had the same problems with the Proud Boys as with the English Defence League for you. I led the English Defence League from 2009 to 2015. When I left, I felt like, oh, now I'm just defending me. Yeah? Right. Whereas before, for the last five years, every opportunity I've got in the media, every interview I've given, every, everything, I've been hammered for the behaviour of other people. We're a loose organisation where anyone can put an English Defence League top on and say they're in the English Defence League. Right, yeah. It's people a act a certain way and it's on me. Because I was the face of it. You're, so you, essentially, you're the founder, you're the face. But I, I also had that problem, but I had the opposite problem too where the things I say were affecting these poor bastards and screwing them up in court. Like, I did a talk. Max and John, Max Hare and John Kinsman were among the, the people there. And the Antifa were beating the shit out of people, attacking journalists. No charges, by the way. Uh, the police disperse everyone. There was about 500 people there screaming with the, the, you know, the signs all matched. They waited, right? Waiting for me, screaming outside, attacking all the attendees who were like, all races, old ladies, calling them cunts. They, they vandalized the venue. They attacked the woman who, who did the booking. She was like 80 years old. You know, typical Antifa stuff. So they disperse everyone. Antifa pretends they've left. They've actually gone around the block. And now they're waiting a block down. So it's over. The night's over. The police say, where are you going now? And they go, we're going to a pub. It's down here. Okay, we'll escort you to the subway. Okay. So they get on the subway. Um, and they get jumped by Antifa. And so... They get tuned up because they don't know how to fight. There's, I told you that New York Antifa are all rich kids, overeducated rich kids who summer in the Netherlands. So they get the shit kicked out of them. Uh, the cops say, do you want to press charges to Antifa? They say no. And then... Uh, oh, I, can remember, I can remember this. They cut, yeah. Matey's missus was black. Yes, John Kinsman's wife John Kinsman's was black. John Kinsman's wife was black. And they cut her out of all the images when he's walking, as they were building the image of him as being a white supremacist. Right. When he walked into court with her, the, the media deleted her. Well, she tells me when she would get up to go pee, the second she got up, she'd hear... Yeah, I remember. And then she'd return and cameras down. I think we'd done a fundraiser for him. Yeah, you did. In, in, in England. Yeah, he, yeah. Did, he did really well with that. Thank you for yeah. that. No, no problem. At, at one point, uh, he's waving, like, get out of here to them. One of the reporters, like, James Bond slides down and shoots up so it looks like a Zeke Heil. Oh, <laughs> and by the way... Where the fuck was the right-wing media when all that shit was going down? Where was Daily Wire? Where Too was Breitbart? Too scared to report. Like, I'm just as mad at the right as I am with the left with that shit. But anyway, they were not allowed to face their accuser. They, Antifa didn't press charges. De Blasio, Cuomo, the state did. That's unheard of for a 17-second fight. 
So they ended up doing four years for that. And in the trial, I'm, I'm trying to talk about... This should have been the original warning of political persecution, of political policing, of, of the corrupt judiciary, prior to Trump, prior to Bannon's arrest, prior to all that. This is the moment when everyone should have been screaming. Yeah. These are the first cases where people just... I bet, I bet no one was screaming, really. No. Why Don't weren't they screaming in Proud boys, four years, see you later. So, no that, no so then I heard that they were going to use... Oh, there was another thing no one knows about. There was a third guy who was arrested, David Kuriakos. He's East Indian. Paki Proudboy. And uh, <laughs> I know that's a bad word over here. It's just a silly word in America, like ABO. <laughs> you say ABO in Australia, people have a heart attack. Uh, but he's, he's a brown man. And uh, they go, just take a plea. Just take two years. And he goes, no. They go, why not? And he goes, because I know what you're going to do. You're going to make this all about white supremacy. And I'm going to blow up your narrative. They're going to see me in the courtroom and no one's going to understand. So I think you're bluffing. And they go, all right, you're free to go. They were bluffing. <laughs> he didn't get a day. Because, again, it doesn't suit the narrative. So get him out of the court case. Get the white man up there. That's the image that we want to portray. It's exactly the same as the English Defence League. It's it would exactly have been brown, white, white. And it would have looked more ridiculous. Although these days... They, they come up with multiracial white supremacy, right? Absolutely. You've heard of that. Danny Roscoe's the, the black face of white supremacy. Yeah, in, Latin in white supremacy was just a big article. And you're like, you guys really just, you're, when Desperate. you're set on something, you cannot be swayed from it. But anyway, uh, the court, the reason I stepped down was the court kept using, I knew this was going to happen, and, and it happened anyway. The court used all my quotes from every dumb joke uh, out of context. Because you're, you're a comedian at first. Right. And, and you're quite dark with your humor. You're quite sharp with it. Right. And um, sometimes if there's certain cases where the word chink is kind of funny to use. But you, you don't sit there going, these goddamn chinks need to go back to China. But if, if you're like my chink friend and I went to blah, blah, blah. I don't so know. we understand your humor. Is there, is there anything you don't think you, you should joke about? Uh, no. no. Okay. There's jokes that offend me, but I also laugh. Like Louis C.K. has a joke about child molesting. Where he goes, for all the shit it causes, and these guys still do it, it must feel really, really good. <laughs> and I'm like, I hate that joke, but I did laugh. Tell at me, the you, same you, time. You, went to, you went to Israel with Rebel News. Oh, yeah, that went great. You went to Israel with Rebel News, and I read, I read a couple of the quotes coming out of there when you were leaving, yeah? Yeah. About you turning anti Semitic, yeah? Yeah, yeah. And there were certain things being said. Well, one of the, one of the, I did a comedy show there in Tel Aviv, and I, I said, I went to the Holocaust Museum today, my God. It's horrible, you know, the, you see the shoes and everything. And the, the thought of someone doing that to 380,000 people is just mind-blowing. And uh, well, they, they, they all laughed. They liked that joke. But then when I started talking about Trump, everyone stormed out in a rage because he's worse than the Holocaust. So you joked about the Holocaust in Israel? Yeah, did okay. Did, did pretty okay. good. Yeah. But, uh, you know, they get jokes better than most Americans do. But they, they, at one point, they, they went up to the jury and the prosecution said to an Asian guy, he goes, do you like it? Do you, do you like the, uh, no, not to the jury, but to a, a, one of the, uh, the people in the stand, but there was an Asian guy in the jury. He goes, do you like it when Gavin says chink? Does that make you feel good? And the guy's like, not necessarily. And now that juror is pissed off. And that's why they got four years for such a dumb fight. Because the justice system in America now is these jurors who read MSNBC and believe all of this crap. It's and they think there's a Nazi movement going on. It's a legal system, not a justice system. Right. Like if you, there's towns where there's a jury that might be sane and you might have four or five working class people that have lived in the real world and don't judge everything by what they see on TV. But DC, New where, York City. Where's Trump going to be put on trial? When? Where? I think it's DC. Um, 
You know how many people voted for Trump in, in D.C.? I think it was 1.5%. Because the right hates him in D.C. too, because he's a swamp drainer and they're the swamp. But you only have to be 45 and born in America to be a president, so he might run the country from jail and then pardon himself. Like, I don't think this, I think this could blow up in their faces. We spoke about this last night. Yeah. It's cool. So Trump, so <clears throat> Trump's about to face trial or August, I believe. Yeah, I think so. Insane. That's, it's, so he could, he it, could it's get, Venezuela. We're in Venezuela. Yeah, it's embarrassing. Yeah. It's embarrassing. I, I turned on CNN and it said, the, the lower third said, uh, it is third world tyranny to use the justice system to oppress your political opponents. It was much briefer than that, but you get the, the idea. And I was like, holy shit, CNN is finally doing yeah, a, a cool article, a, a cool piece about how it's wrong to persecute Trump. And then I tune in, they're talking about Trump. Because Trump said, you know, I'm going to investigate Hunter and all that stuff when I get into office. So as they persecute him because he's their political opponent, they're bitching about Trump because he persecutes people when they're his political opponent. You're like, whoa, that is impressive. What a stretch. So I stepped down because they were using my show to corrupt the jury. So you're talking about how when they do, you know, reflects badly on you. What I get that, but I also had what I do reflects badly on them and is used against them. And then Enrique becomes the chairman, they call him. And everyone goes, well, this is weird. A black guy's running a white supremacist club. But instead of going, maybe I'm wrong, they just kept going, well, it's just really complicated. If they say it a thousand times, if they keep saying it, then the public will buy it. So you'll racist, go, racist, racist, you'll go, racist. John by Kinsman. Proud boys and racist. It goes hand in hand. You can't fix it. John Kinsman has a black wife and three black kids. The state took three black kids away from their father. For four years. For four years in the name of fighting racism. And it's, it's like, you say to them, you know his wife is black, right? And they yeah. go, yeah, well, uh, John Adams or whatever had sex with his slave. And you're like, okay, so now she's a bed wench. Okay, why don't you go tell that to her face? Yeah. She's a bodybuilder, by the way. Go tell. Yeah, she was quite. She was fighting behind him. Yeah. She, I, I, I no one wants to talk to her. Douglas Murray sat down, did a big interview. Didn't get shown anywhere. I don't know what happened with that. Like no one wants to go near her because she's articulate and she's black. She's not like a she's white. She's str a strong woman. Though. Yeah, she's from, from the hood. She's yeah, from the south side of Chicago. She was fighting behind him. I say fighting behind him. I don't mean physically fighting behind him. I mean she was staunch. Right. Supportive. No, she's 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 trying to get interviews. Yeah. You know, she no one wants to do it because it shatters the narrative. Yeah. And it's it's it just shows you that these people I don't even think they believe it deep down. It's just an effective tool. Is John, to call is John Kinsman racist. free from jail yet? Yep, they have brutal probation now, but he's employed and they're doing great. We raised a bunch of money for them. Is he doing well? Yeah, he's doing really well. He was really scared because he hadn't been a father before and he's got three kids that are one of them is four. Yeah. You know, Snow was money. pregnant when the trial was going on and he just sort of fell right into it. Funny story, his oldest boy, you know, he, it, they had, John's middle class, but the, the, what, the wife grew up poor. So they spend half the time in the suburbs and then they visit the grandma in the hood. So he's meeting all these black kids that are real black kids and uh, none of them have dads. And he gets to be like nine and he goes, you keep saying, they didn't tell him he's in jail. They said he's away, he's at work or something, and he's in the military. And he goes, look, I'm not dumb. I know Dad abandoned us. Uh, and then Sanoa's like, well, it, the truth is actually better than this. <laughs> so I'm just going to tell him. And she goes, okay, I didn't want to tell you this, but your dad's in prison. Your dad's a proud boy, and he's gonna getting out in a few months. And he goes, yay! <laughs> My dad's in jail! <laughs> <laughs>
He's running up and down the street. He's street my face. dad's in prison. My face. dad's a proud boy. My dad's in jail. Well, he went from thinking he'd abandoned him. Yeah. As well. Yeah, and he didn't. He From didn't. All his powers. Oh fuck, poor kid. Oh mate, it makes it's it's sad. It's sad to think what that's one story. John Kinsman's one story of one person that was affected by um, one incident to do with Antifa. How many people have been imprisoned after January sixth? Oh my know? god. Well, there's as far as Proud Boys, there's there was about five. Uh, if you count Enrique, there's Nick Oaks who took a plea deal. He's got a newborn, black again, black wife. There seems to be a disproportionate number of proud boys with black wives, by the way. Uh, I think it's because black women are attracted to men with lots of testosterone. Um, so he's, he does a show on our network, actually, called Letters from Prison, where we use AI to animate his face and read his letters. Oh, wicked, man. And it's his voice. Oh, that's wicked. Because AI can do his voice. That's cool. Yeah. But can you read his le prison letters out? You know, in America, if you're not registered as a journalist, which you have to like go to DC to do every year. You can't say I was there as a journalist. But oh, he also put a, his his company was called Murder of the Media. So he put a Murder of the Media sticker on a door, and that was vandalism. So he's doing three years for that. Then you have Zach Real, Ethan Nardine, and Joe Biggs, and they are still awaiting trial. It's been what three years now. And they um, all still are held on solid. They're looking at big time, twenty years, twenty five years, uh, for. For well, they've already it's already been decided that that they uh, sedition seditious conspiracy, which the last time we heard about that was the Civil War, and it was whatever. What it they was. alleged to have done? Yeah, it was ahead of the Civil War, and he got like six months. What they alleged to have done? They were trying to take over the American government, even though they had plans to go to a concert at three that day. So I'll take over the American government in the morning, mm -hmm. and then I'll go to a concert later on with no guns or anything too, and. They, they've been portrayed as so influential and powerful that they're, they're isolated from all the other prisoners. Yeah, they're on solitary, so then they'll be losing their minds, man. Yeah. I don't know if it's exactly solitary confinement like you had, but it's sort of like where they put celebrities and pedophiles and stuff like that. Oh, okay. Um, but they, you know, they get out an hour a day, and they, they don't talk to anyone. Yes. And they're, they're, they're facing... They have kids, babies. For what? For vandalism? For no, for being proud boys. Yeah. That's definitely this, what it is. This is an attempt to kill, kill, the, kill the spirit of the fight of the rest of the brand. Right, and I did an interview with BBC, which may have been stupid. We talked about you quite a bit. And uh, they said, did you think this is the end of the Proud Boys? And I was like, why would it be at the end? I mean, it just, you made the martyrs. The, the tenants exist. The 5,000 clubs are out there. What are they going to do? Shut down the club in, in Tennessee because some guys got arrested on Jan 6? Like, That's what they've tried, yeah. The Hells Angels get arrested, killed, whatever. They'll be around for thousands of years. Like, they're never going to die. Come and talk to me about cancellation. Talk to me about how, how you came back from that. You just got to keep fighting. Like, you're not on all this social media. We were doing all this before social media. Like, in the 80s when we were punks, we got this magazine called Maximum Rock and Roll, and there'd be the letters page. And it would be some guy from the Netherlands, and it'd have his entire address. So you would send, you'd contact him. He'd send you a mixtape of Dutch hardcore bands, and then you'd send him a mixtape of the bands from your town. And you'd have this network of cassettes going back and forth to Europe and all over the world. Then we would trade, we'd get these catalogs and trade VHS tapes of like gore or shows or or you know, crazy car accidents or something. So we've always, when there's, where there's a will, there's a way. There's been a network before Twitter. Life existed before Twitter. You just gotta accept that you, know, you don't have the same kind of 
outreach that others have. Is that hard to accept? It fucking was for me. Yeah. It probably was for me. Well, it's frustrating because someone's making an allegation about you that's really easy to refute. That's what annoys me. And you're like, here's a picture of me. I was in Argentina then, moron. Yeah. You just have to sit and watch people lie about you every day. Yes. And you, if you had your profile, you just counter it and then they look ridiculous. And then the public get a fair portrayal of the fact is bullshit. But instead, the public are currently just buying it all up. They're buying up that Islam's great. They're buying up all the negative stuff about me. And I just have to sit there and watch it. And there's, there's, I have so many terrible things about me that you could say. I don't think women are compatible with the workforce, generally. 90% of them would be happier at home. I think pretty much every culture is you can assimilate into Western culture, except for Islam. And they're, they're incompatible with the Western world. And when they get over 10%, of an area, you're in trouble. They, they, you're in trouble. You've lost your area. I don't feel that way about Hindus. I don't feel that way about about Mexicans even. Although they started to get numbers so big, they don't even they can't assimilate because the guy next to them is Mexican. <laughs> um, but in in small numbers, every culture is good in the West. But Islam is an exception. That's a controversial opinion. Uh, I don't think there's two genders. I don't want drag queens reading to kids. I can defend all these points. You don't, you don't believe women have penises. I don't believe women have penises. You're all big age. So That's can we argue about that shit and not I'm a white supremacist who's yeah, yeah, petrified of being replaced? That's it. Yeah. Like I don't have time for that. I don't know how to defend a position that I don't have. No, I don't believe it. Yeah. yeah. And, then, and that's what they want to argue about. I don't about. own it. And then they find some dumb quote and make it about that. And you're like, the weird, the weird thing is with interviews too. Like Louis Thoreau, Thoreau approached me, Chelsea Handler approached me and you can just, you can kind of smell that it's going to be bullshit and it's a hit piece and they're going to take you out of context. But then this BBC interview, I, I would normally say no to the BBC. And I, I might have got hustled, but I was like... When, when's the interview? I don't know. I've already done it. Okay, I'll look forward we'll to see this. for it. But I thought, I smell there's a snowball's chance in hell. Was she pretty? This, not my cup of tea. No, I wouldn't have done it. <laughs> <laughs> well, she, she was saying such, such dumb shit too. Like, I go... You know, there's so many dumb myths going around like now, like the myth of the pay gap that women are getting paid less than men. And she goes, <gasps> and I go, wait, you still believe that dumb myth that's for like little, that's a teenage girl's <laughs> political belief system. And then I easily refute it with all the points about how they make more money than men before they have kids and they choose to work less and they choose less profitable things, but same labor, same time, same money. That's the law, <laughs> dumbass. <laughs> So she obviously wasn't informed, but I don't know. You, you know, you, you can't cons be too concerned about perception and you have to focus on reality because we're not in control of perception. The media is. Yeah, you're right. And they lie to the incurious and the incurious believe them. We can only hope for the curious and have it there for them. Like that documentary that got leaked about the kid. That silenced. Silenced. Yeah. The incurious will never see that. But, you know, it's a message in a bottle to the curious. And they will see it and go, oh, I knew something was up. Yeah, they, yeah. Because it's all of this stuff is illogical, you know? And you sit there and you go, really? Everyone wants blacks to go back to Africa? Uh, how do they do that? Is it cruise ships? What about half-breeds? What about a white guy with a black woman? His family separated? Or the white guy has to go back? That doesn't pan out in my head. I don't believe people believe that. And then you realize, oh, they don't. That's a myth. You hear about it all day, every day, but it's a myth. It's the media. Yeah. Where can people see your content, Gavin? Well, I'm on all these sort of banned places like you with Getter and uh, The Truth and WhatsApp and Telegram. So I'm on all those. And my, 
my company, Censored.tv, has a Twitter. Um, but yeah, the, the only place I am is Censored.tv. It's 10 bucks a month. There's more shows than you should watch. Like if you watch all the shows we provide, you're watching too much TV. I do two hours a day, every single day. Uh, we got a, a bunch of others there, AIU, Elijah Schaefer, Laura Loomer. We also- Is Laura Loomer on it? She was, she, she's very sporadic now, she's so busy, but her ar archives are all there. I love her. And then we would spend some money sometimes and have a debate with like Candace Owens and Cornell West. Milo had a oh, yeah, show. You had, yeah, let's get there. You just, you, you sat down with Kanye. And oh yeah, sat down with Ye. Mate, you sat down, you seemed like the balancing of opinion. You seemed like you were trying to give them a way out of the anti-Jew stuff that they were pumping. Yeah. Like, because I didn't think, I personally, there are Jewish, there are Jewish leftists who are responsible at the top of many corporations and in Hollywood for many problems, yeah? And they deserve criticism, yeah? Absolutely. And to name them is what people should do. But Kanye, I didn't think it was helpful the way he was... No, he hates all Jews, or at least he did then. He was just battering off Jews. So yeah, explain to me, what was it like when you sat down? So, you know, my whole thing with Jews is, yes, the, the, the people with Jewish backgrounds are overrepresented in media banking and, uh, and do a lot of damage, but a lot of them are just secular or atheist. And, and I, I looked, I'd done a piece on it where I looked at them rising to the top in education. They seem to rise to the top, uh, family units, um, education, IQ, so it would be- They're just high IQ whites, they're elites. And high IQ whites, when they do good, they do a lot of good. When they do bad, they do exceptional bad. And I don't like uh, focusing on anti-Semitism because it's a rut, and it lets other bad guys off the hook. Yeah, yeah. And, the and it lets yeah, ourselves off the hook. Like, when we're told that we suck, it doesn't work on other people. I think there's something about Caucasians where when you say you suck, we go, yeah. Like, try it on Japanese, or try it on a Mexican. Tell a Mexican that he ruined the world. And he'll just laugh in your face. Yeah, yeah. Tell, tell that to a Lebanese, anyone. It's the self-guilt that's been built it, into us. Yeah, and, and so when you blame the it's Jews for your guilt, you're not taking responsibility for your guilt. So I was, I was hoping we could get somewhere near there. But he's like, nope. It was weird seeing him. The first time I walked in, I was a little uncomfortable. You I mean, he's been one of the most famous people in the world my entire adult life. And he's like six feet tall, even though I think he's 5'7". But he wears these rubber boots that look like space boots. So I looked up at him and I, I, my first instinct was to go, holy shit, you're tall? I thought you were a shrimp. But you can't talk like that, right? I don't, I don't want to botch this interview. It's a very in, in, opportunity of a lifetime. So I censor myself. And the only replacement I have is, oh, cool. She's <laughs> like, what the fuck? What did I just say? <laughs> no, you should have just said, you got high heels on, Kanye. What's going on? Well, if he botches any of you, I got to get back on the plane, go home. We don't have shit. Yeah. So I'm, I'm walking on eggshells before we start. And then we weren't getting along. And we weren't, we weren't not getting along. It was just like sort of tense and quiet. He's looking at his phone. I don't want to interrupt him. And then I, uh, I said some joke about sex and how I thought I was going to get less horny as I get old. But I still want to fuck everything that moves and eat out my wife like right now. She, if you put her pussy on that table right now, I just, just dive in. And that made him laugh. And then I said, I hate rap. And he does hate rap now. The new rap, it's all yeah. killing and stuff. Yeah, it and new. it's not creative anymore. So he I got onto that. And then the way I got him was, I was like, I see these people yelling in these you know, viral videos. And I'm like, you're right. I go, the one yelling, that person is always right. The person yelling is always right. And he loved that. And then we were two peas in a pod. 
And we did that weird interview where it was, must have been 80 degrees in there. He's got this thick scuba mask on, a ski jacket, like a snowmobile coat. I, as it was all developing with Kanye, I was trying to work out if he's totally genius or totally mad. Is he throwing out the one word when he went on about Hitler? Is he doing that because he mentioned many other dictators? And is he doing it to expose the media focus on one and not the others? I was trying to, because I was hoping it was a level of genius IQ at the time. And the more it went on, I just thought, what's he doing? Who's advising him? Okay, I got the answer. Go He's an artist. So he just likes being weird and throwing stuff out there. David Bowie did, said the exact same shit in the 70s. He was wearing a, a Hitler uniform and he talked about how we need a new world war, we need to bring the Nazis back. It's, it's just like you say this crazy shit to be creative and out there and make people think. And, you know, he's just being dangerous and odd. Think of him as like a, a, a metal star or like a, who's that chick that was married to Phil, uh, uh, Lou Reed, uh, Laurie something. Sort of like the Velvet Underground. He's just being a weird artist type. My buddy's theory was that he's a complete idiot and Nick Fuentes is the brains and they're like Master Blaster in Road Warrior where it's a retard with a smart midget on top telling him what to do and saying, Master Blaster, run Barter Town. Do you think that's... I don't think that's accurate. He's, he's smart. But, uh, well, he's, he's normal art, art people smart. And it's all just an art experiment. He's changed it now. Now he's watched a comedy and says he loves them. So, and I think it's true art where you can say fuck you to $400 million. Like, remember oh, that? Mate, it was, yeah, because he didn't care. Yeezy. See he didn't later. care. Like, that, remember that, that British band? What were they called? The I wondered if he'll care in a few years. The ALF or something. No, that's Animal Liberation Front. EMF. Mm. And they burned a million pounds. Like, that. they did that up in North England back in the 80s, I think it was. And they really did burn a million pounds. And that, that's like a high level of art that, that I don't understand. But that's where Ye is in the sabotage my life art. And I think he also had kind of a death wish, not a death wish, but he took his kids away. Do you think he was in, yeah, do you think he was So he was like, fuck it. He goes, he said to me once after the interview, he goes, I don't give a shit about my own life. You think I care about Jews? Do you think he was in the middle of a mental breakdown? Sort of. And he should have had better people around him, protecting him? Yeah, but that, I don't like that stuff because it implies that there was no thought behind what he was saying. I think, he was at the point there where he doesn't have his kids, so as an artist, he's like, I'm gonna juggle chainsaws. Yeah, fuck you, you know, I, I'm gonna go I'm to a level of my art where I burn all my money, where I risk my life, where I could be killed. Uh, I'm gonna do that level of art because I couldn't do it before because I had a family and I didn't want to die. Now I don't care. I'll do like David Blaine's lock in a block of ice for four weeks. Interesting. Gavin, um, what is the future? You've been up, you've been down, you've been up, you've been down. What's I'll, the future for Gavin? Same as you. We're banned for life. We're never coming back into the mainstream. I'm never going to be on Fox News. You're never going to be sitting down doing a... a why do you think he ain't got Twitter back? Why do, you think, why, why do you think Elon Musk has come back? Oh, in fact, I know why. Proud Boys. Yeah, well, what I was told from an insider there is the, the new wave is to... Um, uh, save the middle and bring everyone back on, but the far, far, far left and the far, far, far right. But we're now, not far, far, far. I know, that, that's, you're talking about the truth. Yeah, it's yeah. about the perception. We're perceived as the very, very far ends. So we're done. Now, when I say we're done, I, I'm gonna keep going and, you know, it's I, frustrating when you see I sold him, out a show in Austin like two nights ago, so. It's frustrating when you see him talk about, he said, we need to play, people need to put their content direct on Twitter because we won't censor stuff. You can talk about vaccines. I think, I can't even talk, bruv. 
What are you, what are you talking about? You're all hearing about free speech. I actually, I'm actually, because I quite like Elon Musk, I'm actually starting to get infuriated when I, read it, when I see him commenting about it's free insulting. speech. I think that no, you are insulting. It's a hypocritical. You, took, you, you have done everything. You took over Twitter. You made these comments about how bad they were, and you're doing that to me. You've got your, neck, you've got your foot on my throat. All those free speech, fire, daily skeptic, all of these people who say we're here to finally be the bastion of free speech. Or TV news. Yeah, it's all like Fox News. Bullshit. Fox News has got trans training going on right now. The right are, are, are pussies. Yeah. They're all a joke. But that being said, so the, the super freaks like you and I will never return to the mainstream. And I'm happy to, I'll just keep fighting, plugging along. Uh, I'll get the occasional gay interview or famous person interview. But for the most part, it's just going to be plugging away like a little woodchuck in the corner. But um, I think the, the national conversation, the entire Western conversation is getting away from this lunacy. I think they fucked up with the trans and the kids stuff. Like we were talking about earlier, an example would be Jack Daniels did a drag thing. And they, these big guys with beards and tons of makeup, and they did the Jack Daniels cocktail. There's no kids around for miles. And people were like, Ugh, okay, whatever. That's, some people were mad, but most of the country's like, whatever, I don't care. Then they did the Dylan Mulvaney thing. Dylan Mulvaney doesn't say he's a woman. He says he's a girl. And he's Eloise from the children's book, and he's prancing around. And then I think normal, quiet, incurious middle America and Britain and everywhere else said, all right, now I care. I've had enough of you guys. You got near my kids, we're done. So the pendulum is swinging back to moderate, normal, you know, center-right politics. And, and also young people, you know, they're learning that our side has more fun because there's less rules and you don't get canceled. So I think young people are eschewing this whole queer and kids can be sexual thing. So I think we're gonna get back to, let's say pre-Obama uh, West pretty soon. I can feel it. And it's because the left blew it by going near kids. Do you think Trump's gonna win an election? Yes. Yeah? I think he might win from jail and pardon himself. <laughs> what a story. I mean, what a prediction. We've got these failed elections and I don't trust the system anymore, no. but I just physically cannot picture Joe Biden else. for another five years. I don't think he'd be here for another five years, really. He no. can't speak. Hey, dementia is not bone it's, cancer. It, it, it doesn't go like this. It goes like this. I, I think they've messed up with Joe Biden because it's so evidential now to everyone in the world that there is totally other people controlling the American government. Of course. That yeah. are above the president. It's so blatantly obvious. Well, did you see today, James O'Keefe came out with a hidden camera with BlackRock. BlackRock, yeah, man. BlackRock were saying, it's not them. It's the hedge funds. It's me, BlackRock. Yeah. It's, it's the, the, the investors. It's the financial institutions, the banks. Yeah. I mean, anyone can see that when they see Joe Biden. He can't but the, but the thing is, before, before Joe Biden, there may have been a, that may have still been a conspiracy. Right. Since Joe Biden, who can't speak, who can't string a sentence together, can't even walk the right way. And he's meant to be leading the most powerful country in the world. Well, the million dollar question is, is all of this evil or is it incompetence or is it both? Like you look at Fetterman with his Cro-Magnon face and his, this tumorous neck and he can't, he goes, <laughs> he could the Eagles are way better than the Eagles. And you're like, that's the same team. Uh, so they're not it's better just than insanity. themselves. And you think, is he put there as a fuck you to, to yeah. us? Are they trolling? To laugh at us? Like, Are they ah, trolling? Look, we made a horse president. Ah, <laughs> that's how powerful we are. Are they gloating? Or did they accidentally let a horse I be think, president? I think they're gloating. You know, they just kept City, city of Protecting Children was given to Rotherham <laughs> in the UK. No I way. I swear to God, the award for protecting children. No way. Was given to Rotherham. 
That's they're trolling. It's a level. So that's a fuck you. It's yeah. a level of trolling. It's like when Saudi Arabia was put in charge of human rights. Are you making fun of me? Are you gloat? I hope. I kind of hope they're gloating because if they're that incompetent, we're dealing with special needs levels of power in the West. Well, Gavin, it's been a pleasure, man. I've enjoyed it. Totally enjoyed it. Thanks. It's been good. Now, should we go get some a famous British dish? Yes, let's get that classic British curry that probably isn't available in India. <laughs> Thank you, man. I had a very good time. Cheers, Gavin. Right. I appreciate you. Carry on watching for more interesting guests. I'll talk to anyone. I'll debate anyone. I'll hear anyone's story. If you want to help me along that way, it's not free. I need your support. If you can support my family, that gives me my peace of mind. It means I can continue to do the work I do. You can do so at www.supporttommy.com. I appreciate every bit of support, as do my children. Gives me the ability to fly them out here to see me so I can stay in constant contact with them. I'm de-platformed and I'm censored, so I need you. I need you to share this content. Make sure you stay tuned for upcoming weekly guests, interesting guests, exciting guests. I'm Tom Robson, and this has been my podcast, Silence.